Welcome everyone to uh, our podcast. We're very happy to have you all here. This podcast will talk about Microsoft's Flight Simulator. We'll also go over different passions that we have around here, including software and hardware, as well as, of course, a lot of speculations on things that we don't have public information about uh, regarding the simulator. Uh, so this podcast is kind of split into two different parts. The first part is more where we share uh, me, Flying Cookie, and Far Isle Pilot. Uh, we share our uh, thoughts, we share ideas and theories um, about uh, the topics that we're going to bring up. And then we can also answer questions from the event text uh, as we go. Uh, and in the second round, uh, we might make it a little more of a conversation where uh, we can bring some of you guys in uh, and we can we can have a nice chat all together. So uh, feel free to uh, ask us questions in the events text uh, or even just discuss uh, in there and uh, we'll be more than happy to answer all your questions. Yep, very good. I would like to know what you think here we are, we're a few days away from release. This is the last weekend that we have to wait. This is the last weekend. If there are gonna be any possible updates, that's something I'd like to ask you on, Cookie. Do you think they will push any last second bug fixes or anything into the sim over these last few days before, you know, the Monday, Tuesday crunch? Oh. This is a very interesting one because, yes, the simulator now is only a few days away. Uh, very exciting time. Um, the update question is a bit of a tricky one, and that depends on how Sobo decides to make their uh, their play here. Um, my first thought would be that they would go for a software candidate. So they go and they say, well, let's have this release candidate be what we should have as our main uh, set goal for the release so this should be the stable version that we should work on and make sure it is set and ready for the release now if they have bugs that happen that they really need to fix before release they might throw a patch out there um, but I believe what they'll do is just throw you know straight out of the box have one thing ready ahead of time stop development on that version start working on the next versions for the next updates but make sure that they have a stable product for launch that would be okay. my best guess yeah, that makes sense. Um, something else I was wondering about, because, uh, you know, there's constant debate about the NDA and is it going to be lifted and are we going to get, you know, more testers? And, and some people are like, well, there's no point because release day is uh, virtually upon us. But from the Twitch discussion, uh, one of the very first things they said that the plan is for the testers to continue helping with the sim. So, A, I would say that's a good sign for the development going down the road that they really mean what they say and that that NDA is probably not going to be lifted because it's going to continue as these testers get maybe first dibs on I don't know what new new systems bug fixes new release candidates or update candidates what do you think yeah well there's there's two parts to this right the first one is the NDA uh, certain NDAs have never really been ended they just keep it there and that's it. So people just don't talk about the bugs that they may have seen before. That really depends on Microsoft's position there. Uh, well, the, the second part is more, well, the rest, right? Uh, they have a big pool of people 
that they can still use for the continual development of the simulator. And in the live stream, the Q&A that we had today, uh, we had some pretty definitive answers as to uh, the future development uh, of, uh, of the simulator. So yes, in a sense, we will continue to see stuff happen. And I am definitely sure that the Insider program is going to continue uh, running to get most of these little things fixed. Um, so not just little bugs, but probably new features as well, right? Um, so the the bigger things, um, I don't know if DLCs are going to be in there for sure, but at some point you would expect uh, those big features like shared cockpit um, and, and all these little things that kind of add up together that create this software that is so complex that, you know, you, you can't test it on your own. Uh, then they can just take advantage of the big numbers that the uh, the insider program has. So it would be logical for me to to keep that program up there. Definitely yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, one of the other observations they made right off the bat, which was a good sign for a lot of people, is they they specifically stated that this was designed to be a simulator, to be as real and authentic. As they possibly could and their first focus was that it was a simulator because they they brought up the is it a game or is it a simulator and what is the difference a lot, a lot of new people are gonna be coming they're gamers they're coming in we have a lot of people that have been around for ever who've been loyal and, and dedicated and they are gonna feel it's something else but um, they did they did come upon that um, question and answer pretty quickly and I think that I think new people will be able to see that they can be brought in, like we've said before, that the checklist and all these things will be user-friendly for new people. But I think the complexity will also be there that will satisfy the people that have been there for 15 years and have been using the sim. Yeah, um, well, that was I also was mentioned, right? That yeah. was mentioned with the with the live stream, you know, that we're pretty clear about that with the careers, how they really wanted to keep it the basic... Uh, well, it's a sandbox. It's not a career in the typical game sense that you would have different objectives and go forward. Now, that doesn't mean for the people who want to see that, that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. You could totally have third-party add-ons that can work this out. The SDK is much broader this time, from what I've understood, than than what we've seen in the past. So there's a lot more access to the uh, to the simulator itself. So I wouldn't be too worried about you know, the, the, the career aspect. Um, in fact, even on Reddit, we've seen some people post uh, some tree diagrams and Excel spreadsheets, and that way you could make your own, essentially. So uh, that, that avenue is not dead, right? It's, uh, right. It's, a, it's a big agglomeration. You can do whatever you want with the simulator after. But the fact that they do this at the same time is really to reassure the, the simmers, because every time they're, they're gonna keep saying this again this is not an arcade game this is really made for the simmers and um, a very interesting thing for this is uh, I follow this youtuber which is called Stardust it's a French youtuber um, and very interestingly enough he posted a video not long ago saying that you might actually be a little uh, well you might not have the right expectations for the simulator and his message was geared towards people who have never flown simulators before uh, and who were coming in with this first simulator being the first experience they ever had. Uh, pretty much mentioning the facts like, you know, you're pretty much on your own, you just have your plane and that's it, you're flying. 
Uh, and for him, it was kind of this thing saying, well, make sure you know what you're going into because this is a true simulator instead of a, well, you fly your plane, you do some challenges, you go around here and you progress through a game. This is a true simulator, exactly. right? Not so, like a normal game. Yep, exactly. So in that case, you know, he was pretty much mentioning that thing that you might want to just go to one of those physical flight simulators, kind of test it yourself, see what it's like to just have an hour in a physical cockpit where you can play around. It might cost a bit of money, but then that way you'll know immediately if, if it's something for you. Um, instead of having to, you know, buy yourself a yoke, buy yourself uh, a throttle quadrant and buy the simulator, which for some people might be pretty expensive. So it's it's a good way for, for people to test it this way. Um, after other people might want to try just with a keyboard and the mouse, which I totally do not recommend. Uh, it's one of those things where you kind of have to go a bit all in and invest money to really try the simulator. So this is the kind of thing where you should manage your expectations. Uh, and especially if you've never flown a simulator before, uh, even just go and try the, the X-Plane demo. Uh, there's many simulators out there. You can just kind of try like that and get a feel for it. Yeah. I guess a lot of people are just learning because of the graphics. They just want to go and fly over their houses or school or whatever oh, yeah. just to try to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I think that 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 is where I was getting at with the with the VFR in the past. You wouldn't have been able to do that. You, you you'd be lucky if there was any kind of structure exactly where your house would have been. So this this is a whole other side of flight simming that literally. Unless you bought specific region or city-specific, area-specific add-ons, you couldn't do this. And even then, they didn't have your house. You know, they might have some, they might have some streets and some landmarks and things like that, a stadium or something that you could kind of go off of. The problem is the moment that you flew outside of the add-on area, it goes back to the default scenery, and the default scenery just was never good enough to be able to figure out very easily kind of accurately where you were you look at the window and you're like oh wait a minute is that blob supposed to be that island is that blob supposed to be it, it was it was really hard so because there are so people, many people that just yeah go ahead people, sorry people are expecting from the trailer that the algorithm is going to automatically take the picture from the bing map and just going to projectile that into 3d so they are thinking is going to like show my house or my city or whatever just like the promotional video is going to be like that pop you're flying and that's all showing you everything in 3d just like the video and i was yeah. also thinking it's going to be like that but then after reading some some of the comments and the forums and somewhere it's like oh wow there is a big chance you're also flying in a big city but it's not going to render everything and now i just learned from you that you, there is an add-ons that you need to add or something for that no 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 i didn't no, no, know no. about that in in yeah in the past you'd have flight simulation like FSX or FS9 or X-Plane, they didn't have this photogrammetry or satellite imagery out of the box. And over the years, it you began to be able to use these products in order to try to make your surrounding areas look more like the real world, though I don't think any of them, I'm, I'm not sure, Cookie, did any of them ever say, you know, you could fly over your house? If you have, <laughs> well, no simulator I mean, before was really capable of having a full VFR uh, experience. Just well, hardware-wise and software-wise, we were not there yet. No, for sure. 
with a, I said the thing that's confusing than people that are really brand new. Yes, in some like in my area, it's full photogrammetry. I've already gone into Bing. I can see I can see our pool. I can see the building I live in. I can see the neighbor's car in the driveway. I don't know where I was. Maybe I was working when they took the picture. Oh, you would expect car, to see that in the game. You will see, if you are in a photogrammetry area in Bing, that will be in the sim because that is where they are pulling the data and populating it. If you're in an area that has less detail, let's say it's a, a 3D city, which is some three-dimensional rendering, uh, but not all that. Cookie, you can help describe the way that they're photographing to get photogrammetry as opposed to just the 3D. But yeah, if you, let's say you lived in uh, Los Angeles. Los yeah. Angeles is covered in photogrammetry. So literally, those images, when you look down, that will be the movie theater on the corner. I mean, at ground level, it may not be 100% crisp and sharp, but from five, 600 feet on up, when you look down, you're going to be able to follow the road. You're going to recognize your road. I, like I said, I looked, in, I looked in Bing, and I could follow US-1 all the way from my area, all the way down to the end of Key West, every bit of it. Every yeah. bridge is there. You can recognize restaurants. I was like, it's amazing. I think we just need to remember one thing. Um, even though we're looking at Bing Maps, don't forget that Bing Maps itself that you're getting from your browser is just a software that is sending compressed pictures in different scales so you're going to have different scale but the same resolution and those are going to create these different scales when you zoom in and out what you're going to see online on your browser is not the full data already otherwise it would be impossible for everyone to connect and look up a, a location it would be straining the servers very quickly uh, at the same time don't forget there is a whole lighting and rendering engine in the simulator so it's not just taking a satellite picture slapping it on the ground and saying there you go um, then of course then you have the photogrammetry which is you're in a plane and you take pictures of the surrounding areas and of course just like um, for example streets view with Google Maps uh, it is a, a very precise uh, we could say method where they they have specific angles and the cameras and the computers are all synchronized to create essentially a 3d environment uh, from those camera shots with that plane flying around an area and if you look at there if you look around on on flight radar 24 or any uh, flight aware or any uh, plane tracking uh, software or even online uh, you'll be able to find sometimes those planes that do these grids around cities that's what these guys are doing they're taking pictures around and so these add up together they have black shark AI which takes the satellite data and creates geometry out of it then they add the trees then they add the water and all the procedural details and then you end up with the final result so photogrammetry is a plus because you can you know it's more accurate it's right there you're getting all the details that you can because well you had a plane that flew around trying to get as many details as possible uh, sometimes it can be very precise um, 
But yeah. then the rest will still be more than decently good enough. Uh, there is, I think, 400 cities that have photogrammetry. Uh, that was mentioned in the next box post. The rest is still more than fine. And we've seen it multiple times, and I don't even think we've noticed the difference sometimes. So it's very interesting to see what comes up, but don't think that because there's no photogrammetry in your area, then it means that it's going to look like crap because it's yeah, bad. Yeah, it's not. It's, it you can know, be a little better. Yep. You know what else is pretty interesting, um, which they mentioned in Twitch as well when they asked about the color of the water and all that stuff, and it had to do with the depth and the color are connected. One of the things I had done uh, a couple weeks ago when we were looking at subjects to talk about, and I was amazed, I opened up Bing, and I was looking off the coast of France on the Atlantic coast, eh, around Bordeaux, kind of where the area where Asobo is, and I stumbled onto the, that bay, Arachon Bay, Arcachon, and yeah. in the Bing imagery, it was dull. It was a darkish kind of green. The, the browns were sort of bland. There wasn't a lot of detail, like under the water or anything. But when you see the initial trailer, I think it's showing CJ4. It's showing one of the business jets, and it's flying, and it's tropical water, and it's got a little bit of white cap showing. That's that bay. So, like, just what Cookie said, don't despair if you do look in Bing and you're like, oh, this looks dull and, and washed out and, and my area is a little bit blurry or whatever, because yeah, hopefully we can find out. We can try to pull that up. Um, we'll post a picture in the events text if we can find it. Um, well, roughly it is. So yeah, it looks fantastic. What, what the AI did to that area, it looks fantastic. So we don't have to despair that if the image you initially see in Bing isn't as clear or as detailed, the AI can work wonders. It, it certainly did for this uh, area. We While can roughly here, say that you're getting more details from that two petabyte of data through the simulator than through Bing Maps, essentially. That's what it is. And yeah. uh, well, that's why people have also been uh, worrying about the, their data caps and the streaming of data uh, and scenery <laughs> and all of that because yeah you're actually getting more than just in Bing Maps Bing Maps doesn't eat up your, your internet this will well not to the same level as well but comparatively for the tasks that you're asking your computer to do Bing Maps is not going to take a lot of course the the simulator will so it is kind of up to the expectations you know and, and in this case it's a really great thing to have more data so don't worry You'll be able to see it in a few days yourself as well. If not, wait for reviews. There's going to be tons of videos online, and you'll be able to figure out yourself if you want to wait before you buy. So it's more of a choice am now. Sorry, yeah. Am I allowed to talk? Sure, go ahead. Um, is there going to be a paint shop like where you can make your own liveries built into the game? I'm sure there's going to be some uh, paint kits here uh, because, well, paint kits have been around for a long time. It has to happen. It's there's no way there's not going to be a livery system where you can make your own liveries. So no worries on that, man. It will be there. Okay, thank you. Can I, can I piggyback on that as well? Uh, we're talking about the world. We're talking about how it's represented, and uh, you know, in the whole world, it's never going to please everyone all the time. Uh, there's always going to be places that can be improved. Uh, even if an airport is generated nicely, people will want to, for example, if that's their home airport customize it to their own satisfaction. Uh, 
Uh, I didn't really get this in the MS uh, Sobo interview today, the uh, the triple chat there, but I was wondering about the um, infrastructure available for allowing users to create airports and freeware, uh, you know, using the tools in the SDK. You know, is there going to be a separate area of the store for that, uh, you know, where people can host freeware or is that supported? Um, or are those tools in the SDK going to be released, uh, you know, in a timely manner with the SIM? If you can talk about that, I'd love to hear that. Definitely. Um, for Ayal, you can answer at least part of this. Do you want to go for that? Um, I was answering a little bit of the questions in SDK release in the event tag. Uh, SDK release, it's going to, from what I've heard, is that the exact same tools that they're using to create what we're seeing is going to be in the SDK. They may have to do some things to tweak it so that it's a little bit more user-friendly, but literally it's going to be released with the SIM, and everybody will have those tools. It's not going to be a truncated version of the SDK where, oh, you know, the developers have this part and the rest of us can create, but we can't create the same standard or level of quality because technically, you know, it's we're going to be missing some things. They're not doing that. Uh, they mentioned that in the in the Twitch Q and A. So I, I think that's that's really hopeful for everybody yeah. that has a talent or a desire to be able to do that. It's kind of like FSX. They did have uh, the SDK as part of the of the software itself at, at launch. Um, not sure at launch, but I know they had it and. Uh, well, FSX Steam Edition kind of cut that out because of, of different licenses, so that kind of got a little weird. But uh, yeah, you're going to have the SDK in full form on release. As for the development and distribution of freeware add-ons, that remains to be answered. My take on it would be that, in a sense, they could totally use the marketplace as a section for payware, a section for freeware. And, well, of course, we know that they're first going to focus on payware because they want to be able to show to the people what the capabilities of the simulator are, right? All What can we really show more than just, well, this is just a simulator. They want to impress the users and, and show this is what we can do. And payware developers have the skills and have proved that they can show all the technicalities that the simulator has brought and all the new little features that can be shown in a plane. So in a sense, it makes sense for Microsoft to do this also to kickstart the the payware uh, community around it because, well, you know, a simulator lives with its marketplace. Uh, it cannot survive if there's no add-ons for it and uh, if there's barely any payware you wouldn't expect a lot of freeware as well, as well. So we're lucky enough they got about 700 companies who registered with their program, um, their partner program. So that is already amazing. That was in the uh, Q&A today. Um, I'm expecting them maybe to have a section for freeware that they can probably verify. If they're not willing to do this, there is most likely going to be tons of new websites showing up. There's already tons of other websites before from FSX. Uh, you had some Viation, you had Flyaway Aviation, you had Riku. All of these websites were there for FSX uh, and even older versions of Microsoft Flight Simulator. So I would expect those to show up again and do the amazing job they did with keeping all those add-ons freely available for everyone. 
and they'll do the same, I think, for uh, for now. So we will be able to create add-ons day one when we download the sim, and we will be able to distribute them as well through those platforms. Awesome. Uh, we have a question. So Terrace asks, I have a question about the liveries. On FSX Online, if I had a custom livery, let's say, would other people see it? I would like to know if other people could see the livery in Microsoft Flight Simulator. For example, in DCS, in order for other people to see your livery, both players would have had to download that livery to see it. Yeah, that's I would pretty I would much think the... you'd have to, right? Well, yeah, of course, for, for both yeah. computers to be able to display it, the person who made the livery, of course, has it in its library, so it can have it there. The, the other players cannot see that. Now, yes, the main strategy that every simulator has used in the past was, well, download this if you want to see it. Otherwise, they'll go to a default texture uh, set. It'll go into a, the default livery. Uh, well, you can see, for example, the A320neo, well, it's the Airbus Neo uh, colors. Um, then there's a second technique, which would use a lot more bandwidth, but would be 10 times easier is, well, also would be kind of dangerous in a sense, would be just a, a simple server that could upload your livery and push it to your friends. So you could connect your account and, and share a livery. Uh, I doubt this is even gonna happen just for issues with not only just copyrights, but also people can post anything on there. So it would be something harder to moderate and would just take up a lot of bandwidth when you could just send them the file uh, through Discord, for example. So I think it would still be easier for them to basically uh, stay with the old method. It's exciting, too, that they stated in, in the Twitch Q&A how they had a contact of the airlines, like all of the airlines. Yeah. And, you know, some are allowing it, some are in the process. Maybe some might have their doubts. I don't know, but I thought that's really, that's really cool. If they're going to yeah. allow it, if we can get some of those, there's some classic... There's some classic airline liveries that would be quite nice to to see again. Yeah, in, it in is. Some of the add-on aircraft. Yeah, definitely. Could be nice. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, they they did ask most. Well, actually, they did contact all airlines straight away after their E3 event, uh, and we can see they did not get a lot. Well, they didn't get everyone. We don't know how many they got, uh, <clears throat> but due to the COVID, of course, they. They had a bit of a, of a delay for that. So I don't think we can expect every single thing at launch because, of course, these have to be licensed uh, by right. the airline itself. So just give it a bit of time. And, I mean, in the past with FSX, we have had uh, add-ons with liveries. And I don't think these guys asked permissions from the airlines. Um, in a sense, they were at risk uh, because if you don't ask permission, you shouldn't. Sure. use someone else's property uh intellectual property so in this case it was happening and airlines could totally you know send a cease and desist and just say please don't um but you might see freewares come up with that kind of stuff in the future at worst if it does I, not happen through that first method yeah i think they're i think they're being cautious about it uh, it's kind of um in keeping with that caution but also questions people were wondering you know about the default aircraft some questions were about the complexity of those default aircraft others had asked well if if the sdk is going to be open to everybody 
and some people want to make some freeware content, would they have access to the default aircraft that they could then tweak or adjust or do things? And well, you remember the answer, Cookie. It was sort of, they hesitated a little bit, but I think honestly, it may have to do with the licensing that they may not definitely in the licensing have that kind of permission. Let's take it from their point of view. Asobo is a development studio, so they're going to make a simulator. They're going to put everything together, and they're going to make a great game for us. Uh, or should I say a simulator? Um, the thing is, these guys don't deal with things like the legal departments, or even for Xbox, they're not the one who take care of the release uh, itself, or even the marketing. Uh, so there's questions that these guys cannot answer because it's not their responsibility to answer to those questions and that kind of falls into the legal part of things and these things can happen you know they're they're sometimes they can even be decided and you know they can wait until the last minute to really say okay we'll just go this way and that means that for now they may just decide to leave the the planes currently on a on a license that said well please do not reuse and redistribute uh but we know that at least one plane will be, in a sense, open to the public. We will be able to read its code. It will be an open source one. Uh, but even open source does not necessarily mean that it's free to use and redistribute. So we will see what comes up with that. And they can totally change that anytime if they want. You know, it's a, it's a license thing. Uh, you guys all get emails from time to time about terms of service, privacy policies that are changing. Uh, everyone got a wave of emails with that and the GDPR. So uh, it's a thing that can change any time, really. So if they just decide to play it safe at first, leave a year of a gap so they can let everything get ready, stabilize, and the freeware community can kind of start looking around. Uh, but not reuse the plane, then a year from then they could say, okay, well, it seems like most people have started their thing. Maybe now we can start reusing or allow people to reuse certain of our planes and have specific licenses for those. Um, but then that removes so from a, these guys the control of their assets. I do have a question idea. about the new video, oh, the new partnership video. Okay. Which go one? Ahead. Um, so the new partnership video with Vatson that came out, um, it seems to me that basically all that 2020 is saying is that, oh, we did not break SimConnect because vPilot already works with FSX. So I'm a little confused about what's totally partnership slash new with Vatson if all it is is, oh, the 2020 doesn't break SimConnect and it just works just like FSX did. That's a good question. Um... <laughs> Well, first of all, this did release after we started the podcast, so we did not yeah. get a chance to go through this. Uh, but I do know that the simulator has a legacy version for SimConnect, which is exactly what you're saying. Um, so, yes, it works. Same for the other networks, actually. Uh, even Poscon just said, well, we're not actually supporting the new simulator, but because it just works, it just works. So you can just use it for that, and it would work just fine. Um, so I would say there is a little more maybe to the partnership than just making it work. It would not make sense for them to announce a full partnership and just have the software working. I think they're working maybe a little more on integration this time, working on the UI elements to kind of redirect those. Uh, it seems like they might be able to play with adding icons on that main bar. 
um, during the the play. So if you're if you're flying your plane, you have your icons above you. You can have one for VATSIM. That way, you don't need an external software, and they could totally hijack the ATC window for their own purposes. So they can do a lot of stuff. It's really up to them on on how to decide to do it. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of answers in that video on the partnership series. Thank you. I have, I have a question. Sure. I saw someone asking in uh, the Twitch chat. They're asking if they're going to add force feedback support, and that I when I saw that I was wondering that too. Are they going to add that? Ooh. Fariel, do you have any ideas on that? Um. Well, we all know about the the issues with force feedback and why it kind of went away because I guess the uh, patent holder there sort of held on to their invention in air quotes. But I do, I've been wondering it myself, we've seen some products that kind of try to simulate some kind of feedback, like the butt kicker that goes on your chair and it, it uses the sound to give you some vibration and some reaction. I would imagine, I think it'd be very smart if they did, because one of the, one of the complaints that people have about simulators is that they don't get that tactile, that feel enough. I mean, when you're using a yoke and things, you'll have some resistance and things like that, but you don't feel that wind gust like gently shake the stick or, or, or move the yoke like you like you would in, in the real world. So I I hope they do. I, I, I've, I've thought about it a lot and I'm like, I have the new um, yoke from Honeycomb. I'm getting some of the other equipment and I was thinking, man, what are you going to do if they come out a year or two from now with a, a force feedback. Definitely. Well, I hope they do. I, I just want to add, sorry, sorry, I'll just add on. one last thing to the previous question. Um, force feedback is something that, well, right now you, you can only get that old uh, controller from Microsoft. So really, if there is support for this, they might as well just throw a first uh, party controller as well for that or partner up with one of the manufacturers uh, for this. In other terms, right now it's pretty expensive to get a force feedback yoke uh, or joystick. So unless they do add the f functionality and partner up to get something that is more accessible to people, then you know it would be a lot easier and people would be able to access that feature. Uh, so far it's not really a thing that people can easily afford. And not that not that much modern aircraft use like physical like the room real life most of the ones are fly by wire so you want it's like it would be if you're flying a your aircraft you don't need the feedback because it's not like that in real life that's true i agree with that point uh <laughs> fly by wire is not going to be very useful for force feedback but do keep in mind that this simulator is much more focused on vfr and what is more focused on VFR means you're going to be on smaller planes. You're going to be on general aviation. You're going to be looking around, right? This is the, the really big thing. You're not just inside playing IFR. Uh, and you could do that already with, with older versions of the simulator, right? FSX, uh, FS9, and all this. You had your panels and you were set. You didn't even need a 3D cockpit back then. Uh, so that was the basic IFR. But now because you're all around and they made those awesome graphics as well because... Well, you need to have visual fidelity for VFR. They're adding on top of that. So having general aviation would make a lot of sense. And we saw they put a lot of general aviation planes in there for us to enjoy. So in this sense, it would make sense just to have a force feedback option, but would need to bring down the price of, uh, 
of accessories and controllers to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I got a uh, question. Yeah. We have questions. Oh. Um, go for okay, it. Okay, I'm sorry for if I interrupted anyone. I'm so sorry no, about no. that. Um, it's fine. For now, so we're going with questions. I'm kind of a scenery developer for X-11. I just make my own scenery for, like, regional airports and stuff like that, right? Just small regional airports. Um, will we be able to make our own scenery for regional airports if they're not, like, you know, as <clears throat> accurate as, you know, if they don't get AI-generated properly or something? Will we be able to make our own scenery in aircraft? I would assume so. There's no reason why yeah. you wouldn't. Um, even back with any simulator, you could just install the scenery on top of it, and, well, if you enable it or not, then it'll show up which one you want. Um, what will be interesting this time is to see if the SDK can handle the overlap between your scenery and the rest of the world. Because everything else is so detailed and high quality that it'll be a little harder for scenery developers now to just put their thing and it would because l- l- let's say it this way in the past on fsx and older simulators what you would have is <clears throat> a high-end airplane a high-end airport and you would have that boundary between what is amazing high quality high textures and suddenly your lower resolution uh low poly mesh almost depending on your settings of course that would kind of stick around and well you'd see the clear difference um, yeah. Well, in this case, we'll have to see how they handle that. It would be very interesting to see if they can do it in a sense that kind of merges the, your your own scenery with the outside, the rest of the world. Uh, but you'll just be able to put it in. Yeah, for me, there's no reason why I should I, not. Yeah. And, I, you know, the question is, can I install scenery, essentially? So, yes, you will be able yeah. to. I expect they're probably going to have... Uh, a freeware area in the marketplace and I think this is where that standard and that quality level they'll kind of be trying to amalgamate the payware and the freeware together so that we don't have this nightmare of oh I added this you know airport and it broke my it broke my sim so I think <laughs> well they might just level, have I don't they might just have yeah. a, a disclaimer uh, that's true that's true <laughs> it's an easy way around it I put it this way I think whatever ends up on the marketplace or in the marketplace, whatever ends up there, I think there's going to be some degree of, I don't want to say quality control, but you you know, you get what I mean. There's going to be some kind of analysis to at least look for the rudimentary elements that, that could you know pose a problem. I think that they'll try to make it a safe place to spend your money and to also, of course, acquire things that are free, kind of like Orbix offers, you know, a little bit of freeware things in between and it's kind of up to their standards in there there's so only one difference in the marketplace though there's one difference something. is that orbex is making both the freeware and the payware but with microsoft yep. because it's a licensed marketplace this is why there's the partner program you need to get yourself in you need to get accepted and there's a quality check everyone assumes that technically it is the Microsoft Flight Simulator Marketplace, therefore Microsoft is controlling it, therefore Microsoft is somewhat responsible for the quality of those add-ons. If you suddenly have freeware right next to it, some people might still assume that it is part of the same quality uh, and same standards that are in the payware section. So they'll have or to literally put it somewhere else, like quite a new tab and a disclaimer uh, to really say, well, this is not the same thing you could have anything happen here and at the same time 
um, maybe have a, a bit of quality control around to make sure that not just anything gets in, but that the people that are posting those planes have actually worked hard to get the thing to a workable state. So that's that's going to be a bit of a difficulty for them because, well, you don't want people to be confused between what Microsoft itself offers through its marketplace and from the developer through their marketplace until, you know, everything yeah, gets sorted out for that. there has to be a differentiation for sure. There would have to be. Sense. I would like to kind of merge nice this. If... No, sorry, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. You wanted to add something? I think it'd be nice if they did that content, like... I don't know. I don't want to say like, you know, all oh, of these are the established third party developer section, but it might be nice. Maybe they'll guarantee the way that it installs. I know a lot of people have had questions in the past about is it going to install stuff everywhere? Are we going to have some kind of sensible file management for our add ons that when we try to uninstall them, it's not going to leave 4,000 pieces sprinkled everywhere and we never get rid of it until we throw the computer out? Oh, so, man. You yeah. know what I mean? So maybe in the same way that they might be wanting to ensure that the installation of it follows a certain kind of sensible, you know, pathway and then the uninstall the same way, maybe that's where they can kind of do that. Kind of like what they do with peripherals. These peripherals are compatible because they've done some kind of at least rudimentary check. It might be too much work to do, but yeah. it sure would be nice to know if it's going to put it in a sensible location. If I can get rid of it, if I no longer want to use it, that it really will be gone out of my SIM, off my computer. Well, and if I install it, they've checked it out, and it seems like it might work with a lot of systems. It'd be nice. Yeah, but if you're buying something on the marketplace, you expect it to be downloaded and installed immediately. You don't expect to just have you to click buy, and then be in the marketplace and just have this link that you click and it opens up your browser and it starts downloading a file. That is not what people would be expecting no. from this, right? They no, would no, be no. expecting right. a, you click pay, you say, yup, that's what I'm okay with this. I confirm this in. transaction. Yeah, it just goes then yep. automatically it downloads the thing, it extracts it, and it just puts it in your folder straight away. And if you have a process that is a standard process for every add-on, both freeware and payware, then there shouldn't be any issues in there. And that, for me, is kind of a given for the simulator. Uh, and we've actually did more in-depth talks about this in, in the previous episode as well. And before we move away too much from the topic, I kind of want to answer another question that got asked before this podcast started uh, from Romina asking about different engine options for specific planes. Uh, I know this not not link exactly with it, but in a sense, it's one of those options that you can choose with uh, not only the default aircrafts, but also your payware and freewares. Because, well, if you have liveries, well, you might as well have engine options. Uh, do you have right. any take on that or or not? Far aisle. I'd, lo I'd love to have options. I've said it uh, several times because based on the way that we want to fly, some of the GA aircraft could be, you could have a different prop that would give you different performance. You could have um, tip tanks that would give you extra range, uh, change out for uh, an XP for the Cessna, which gives you a little bit more performance. So yeah, I would, I would really love it. I don't expect it, obviously. Um, variations we've talked about in the past, uh, the Cessna, you could have the uh, 208. It was in, 
I think, uh, Century of Flight FS9. They had two versions of that. They had a land one, and then they had the amphibian. There's another one where you could, I can't remember what it was. I don't know if it was the mall. I think it was the mall. It had skis as an option. So I would love to see some of the default aircraft actually have some options that would allow you to fly in different ways, but with an aircraft that you really like, then in real life does have these options. I would love to see that. Yeah. And nice. I think it's going to be not only just that, but also, you know, you can have those options. I know in the past it has been this, uh, the way where you have essentially one plane and then you have click the button and you get all the liveries, but then you also get a version for each engine type. That was FSX, which meant yeah. if you had a Pratt & Whitney and a CFM engine, essentially you were kind of having double the planes. And then with the liveries, it, yeah. could, it could be a pretty yeah. big list to the point where some people had gigabytes of add-ons and were waiting minutes <laughs> for them to load. Uh, yeah. Luckily, this That's is me. over. But I think they're probably going to be, at some point, they're probably going to do another tab like the way they're putting right now with liveries where you can just click and say, well, I want this engine type. And yeah. That's how I would see it, because it's simple and you don't need to have multiple versions of the same plane, which visibly they've done as much work as possible to make sure that the 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 UI where you choose your plane is as simple as possible, uh, yeah. and also as visually. Uh, well, I mean, I would be talking about user experience there essentially, is making it as easy for you to understand what you actually have in front of you and and how to choose your plane and all the settings. Well, I think because VFR now is, is, is possible that it opens up so many different ways to fly that really might not have either been popular or not even been possible. So in a way, I would think, yeah, this, this is, there's a chance that I guess if enough people ask for it, that's something they made pretty clear in Twitch because some of the answers are like, yeah, yeah, this is in the, the backlog. We're getting a lot of questions about it. We intend to do it or we're working towards it. There's a couple other answers where they're like, well... We haven't got very many requests for that, so that might be, you know, further down the road. So basically what I'm saying is if people want these variations and they kind of ask for them, I'm hoping there's a place for suggestions or requests or whatever in one of the, uh, one of the tabs in the UI in the sim, like maybe under news or something. But that'd be great because then we literally have the ability to affect to some degree what we're going to see, what we want, what we need, and they're going to try to accommodate accommodate us if enough of us ask and it's possible. So yeah, uh, I hope everybody out there, if you're intending to fly GA and you need more range or more power or you need a variation of that aircraft, let's get together and you know make those requests because the world is much more wide open than it was before. The whole world was in FSX, but... A lot of those planes you couldn't get around in them without some kind of, you know, pretend role playing. Oh yeah, that's not a passenger in my back seat. I'm going to take that 170 pounds and turn it into fuel, and in midair I'm just going to convert it. So yeah. you role play your way to having extra tanks, but it <laughs> really would be cool if, because I think a lot of people now because of this are really, I know I am, I'm going to try to do this round the world flight, possibly in the smallest plane they can they can possibly make it in of course there's going to be people doing it in airliners in big long you know 16 hour chunks i don't know how they're going to do it have the stamina 
I want to see somebody that does it sitting in front of their computer. You can have it on autopilot, but you got to sit there. You know, eh, <laughs> I mean, I want to see. That's why you have Infinite Entertainment, right? You need that thing. <laughs> yeah, but, I, uh, I had a. All right, sorry, I, I just I had a quick question. I wanted to ask, um, because I know it was mentioned a little bit by someone who had the question of if you're playing multiplayer and say there's a plane or something like that that you don't have if it will auto-direct you or, or I, there was a suggestion that I could auto-direct you to you know be able to buy the plane or whatever in the scenario that say you are uh, you know online and someone has a plane that's that you don't have uh, what's gonna happen there is it gonna just be a default aircraft are they just not gonna show up is it gonna maybe bug out is there any answers to that um, well there's a few methods that can happen for this um, and we don't really know yet because well the marketplace is kind of not there yet uh, I'll be at release uh, what I can say is what my guesses are which for this it could be a smart way it could be a basic way there's there's multiple ways they can go for this I'd say for me the best option would be to have any payware developers to also submit a version of their add-ons with just a basic model and delivery don't need to be anything more than maybe one or two or just the default and then when anyone uses that payware anybody else who sees that payware but does not have it would just call that model and livery from the store and quickly download it now that will be a lot of traffic which means it would be the perfect option for us but may not be the most convenient for Microsoft because there would be a lot of traffic the more planes there are the the harder it gets um, there is another method which we kinda saw already with the AI planes some of them look like a mix of different planes you see something is it a triple seven or an A330 uh, this looks like a bizjet but it's like a mix of different planes um, these are also quite basic you have a one color on it and you know it's not a specific livery um, these these could be more than just the placeholders because we don't have much uh, much um, knowledge about how many uh, airlines have allowed their liveries to be to be run on planes uh, but we could probably see those show up as the default uh, if you don't have anything you could also have the FSX method, which is, well, we could say it's an older method and did not work well, so they would need to revamp it a bit, but they could totally do it. Uh, it's a method where it approximates what kind of plane the other player is using and will substitute to the closest thing you have. Sadly, with add-ons, that becomes very hard because they don't know what add-ons you have, and as a result, it can become very complicated. Uh, so FSX could, in a sense, have, you know, this thing where you're flying uh, a 747, or actually, I'm not going to use that because that was a default plane, but if you're flying a 787 in FSX and someone else did not have a 787, the good way, FSX would show you a 777 or, or something close to that. Um, but then sometimes it would show you something that had completely different metrics like you would show you a j3 cub well that's not a 787 um <laughs> and it gets worse as you have freeware and as you have payware as well so uh, it will be harder for the simulator to understand what plane it is 
unless they keep a kind of a chart, a lookup table where they could, you know, estimate, well, this plane is supposed to be that type of plane for reference. That could mm -hmm. be another part of the SDK. You know, they could say to the developers, if you submit something to us, it must have this lookup table, which says your plane is closest to three or four planes. And then they can reference that and kind of make a chart out of it. So you go from the end of the tree. Well, my plane is this specific tree. It would look up, is it this plane, which looks closer to it? And it would go through until it gets to the more basic planes. Uh, so if you're just on a stock, well, it would show you a stock. If you had a few downloaded, then you may be lucky. You might get one of those downloaded. So yeah. that would be for me another method. Or, or they can like, maybe they can download all the planes and all the liveries and then just have it to where the ones you didn't buy, you can view them, but you can't use them. But only the people who bought them can use them. That would be the best. But then imagine once you have 200, 300, 400 paywares on there, uh, unless they make it so the file is very small, it can be downloaded within seconds. That will be fine. But uh, the bigger Maybe they become around. and everything, it'll become a bit of a challenge, especially the more add-ons become available. So we'll see how they do it, but that would be, of course, the, the best strategy. Just have that model straightly downloaded from the developer itself, and boom, you have well, it. They could, down yeah, they could it download right it. There. They well, could download it to the cloud, too. Well, I, that means more traffic, right? So Microsoft would yeah. need to pay more for its servers and... Uh, I don't know if they want to do that. You want to keep optimizations and keep everything yeah. as. Uh, yeah. I, I had. Uh, it, it still kind of goes. This is my last question, but um, it kind of goes along with the multiplayer because someone and I, I could be misinformed. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But if you know, say you add a friend or whatever uh, through uh, Microsoft uh, Flight Simulator, you'll always kind of see them on the. I guess you could say globe. Is that still? Uh, server dependent because I know that there's like different kind of regions like server regions would you see your friends no matter what region uh, they're playing on or would you not see them if you're on a different region is there any answer to that or uh, is that still up in the air I have an answer for that uh, Farrell do you have anything do you want to add no, to that I as well heard, no? I haven't heard specifically I mean we know they've been testing out the two what is it Europe and western United States so we don't really know exactly how many of these are going to populate and it's a good question to wonder if if they're let's say in south asia and you know i don't know that's a good question yeah my take on this discover is quite specific well the, the thing is it's it's a bit of a gray zone so it is not easy to discover straight away you know what are the intentions on this what i can tell you is it seems like they're suggesting that one main server, so like Europe or East, West, North America or South America and so on for every, you know, one specific server like that would have the people around you, you know, and only this. Um, this was referenced once or twice, essentially, where they said, well, I wanted to join my friends, but I had to go on the North American server and I had, I was in the UK, so I had a ping of around, you know, a hundred millisecond. And so that was what happened there. Um, so we can kind of estimate that. Another thing that I would say is if you invite your friends for the multiplayer and you, you click and you invite your friend to a session, 
uh, you're creating that session. So suddenly now they join you. So you technically become a server. I don't know if that is independent of the of the server location that you're choosing, but I'm guessing we'll have to kind of see what comes up at release. There's no way yeah. right now to check. What would be amazing though is if they can do like VATSIM where they essentially have a server backbone which connects all their their servers together. And that way, even if you're flying in the North American server and someone else is playing in the European server, the backbone still connects together. And because with the multiplayer from the Feature Discovery Series episode, uh, when they mentioned that even though it's one big world, they're only showing you you know, the planes, 50 closest planes for the multiplayer with a limit of 200 kilometers. Technically, for me, it would not matter. It sh they should all be connected, and you should still just see the closest 50 planes uh, or within 200 kilometers. So for me, that would be an, a great thing to do. Hopefully, they will do this. But uh, yeah, right now, it seems like they're separated per server. And is it with the servers? It's not one of those things where when you select a server, it's like a permit thing, right? Like, are you going to be able to cycle through the servers whenever oh, you yeah. want? Yeah, that's okay. that's the thing you can choose wherever you want, yeah. Okay, awesome. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. I have a question. I have, like, the Honeycomb Yoke and the G1000 by Vilsim Gil. Now, is it going to be supported upon release? I don't know if you guys really have a way of knowing that. Oh, yeah, that, um, uh, so... Honeycomb, for sure. It's listed. As Where was one that? of the supported controllers, I don't remember if I seen anything on the G1000. Have you seen that yet? I would imagine they're 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 really going to do their best to make high end stuff like that. Of course, we know the simulator itself in terms of support works. Like episode four discovery series cockpits with Marcel Bossard, the lead engineer, uh, lead software engineer. He essentially showed in the video them doing oh. a essentially a full cockpit they made their own cockpit with hardware that way they could test the calibration tools they have in there uh they could see how far they're exposing all their different variables so that the hardware that they have could be able to connect to it uh, as well things like multi-screen and so on so it's just a matter of time before these or show up if they have kind of kept them backwards but essentially we know that they have been working on that so technically that kind of hardware should work uh out of the box um not sure on that because they did set quite a few uh, they ha they have a hardware list where they say well we made profile for those so you don't have to yourself manually map everything uh, but I don't think a G1000 would be mapped out of the box so you might have to do that yourself uh, which may be a bit Compete. tedious yeah uh, Wasteland Radio says supported peripherals are listed and will work plug and play anything not listed may or may not work and users may have more complex setups required and may have varied user experiences. So that's a good um, <laughs> that, that sounds very Microsoft explanation, yeah. <laughs> but yes, exactly. That's the thing. If if you have one of the, the on the list, you'll have a profile for it, it'll be plug and play. The other ones no. you'll have to map yourself, yeah. Where can I locate this list? This list should be on the website actually. Um, oh. so you might want to look, maybe it's one of the on the updates. Uh, should be somewhere there. I'll go check for that. Thank you. 
I have another question. Pre-order FAQ on the website, apparently. says uh, Westlander uh, Radio. There's a link. Thank you, Plain Guy. 787, there's a link. So, can I ask another question? Yep, we'll do uh, last one, then we'll continue with our topics. Air Force Proud Knife 5 was landing in the beach, like, and, like, <laughs> people like to, people like to do that, like, do, do, like, reenactments of, like, landing in certain weird places. Would there be an option to turn off the landing failed screen? Yes, there should be, yep. Yeah. Actually, it is, because Squirrel, for example, put a video out where he was testing the aerodynamics. Uh, and what he did was he put his plane into a position that would be uh, that would not break upon uh, impact with the ground. Uh, other surfaces than the gears, of course. And he was putting the wind and gusts very high, uh, essentially trying to take off with, uh, well... Take off literally vertically on the spot where he is. Stationary, yeah, stationary yeah. takeoff. Stationary, thanks, that's the word. And, uh, yeah. well, he tested that, and that kind of proved uh, of the flight model that Microsoft finally got really well this time. Uh, but, yeah, in this case, he, he did have a few tries before he could actually lift off, and I'm sure some of those tries <laughs> would have meant uh, a crash message. And he did mention in it that and... he, he turned those off, so... Those are options, yes. Yeah, the instability was really cool too. The way it was rocking back and forth, and you could clearly see how the, the exactly, air yeah. around the plane is finally. This is something that Cookie and I were talking about, you know, throughout the week. I guess we can get into it. the The discussion from Aerosoft about yep. the flight model, exactly. I'll post the link in regard to the air being simulated for the first time in this fashion. So. Some of it is there's a lot of people that are unfamiliar with the way that the plane is handling, despite they've been flying this plane, let's say an X plane or P3D for or FSX for years and years and years. And suddenly in this new flight model, like this is all wrong and it's 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 wobbly here and it's it's exhibiting characteristics that just you know that they're not realistic. And then you find out when uh, when what they're speaking about in that article is that. They speak to pilots, or they, you know, they're speaking to other people in the company that actually fly the plane. They're like, yeah, actually, that's right. It's kind of like what happened with that wind demonstration that Squirrel did, and that is exactly what happened. The way that it was wobbling around, it, you know, almost tipping over from one side to the other side, or the way that Candorus mentioned in one of his, uh, I think it was his first video, flight CT aircraft, which he flies, that he literally landed it on one wheel, came down on the left wheel. And he was able to keep a wheelie with the nose wheel above, and he said it was exactly, on that flight model, exactly the way that it flies. And not a lot of people who have, they don't have any experience with the aircraft, they wouldn't know that. That's a great thing to get into is, as they develop this air mass simulation, how is that going to change people's experience that we've never had before? So things are going to feel different. Yeah, I got I got to kind of go back to that Aerosoft post because not only is it a very good post, it's a bit of a lengthy one. I will I will grant that. Yes, uh, but on the other hand, it does give you a lot of it gives you a very good feeling about one person who has had experiences flying in real life, and of course it's. It is literally an, an Aerosoft administrator. He, this guy, has been going through Aerosoft uh, software for a long time. Uh, he's been in contact with uh, with a lot of different pilots, uh, and he kind of has a bit of this experience. Uh, 
But essentially, he's saying that even him, with his experience, we don't always know how a plane is really supposed to fly. Um, and he actually put in bold, I'm going to quote him here, what matters most is not how realistic things are, but how believable they are. Uh, essentially saying that, well, how many hours did you actually fly? <laughs> so you haven't, yeah. most of us have not flown in real life on a specific plane. And I'm, what I'm saying fly is I'm saying like you're the pilot in command uh, and you're actually flying manually your plane. Because while well, you could have been at the back of a 737, uh, that is that does not qualify. Um, so most people probably don't even know how a plane is supposed to fly. And we were used to simulators in the past that were so railroad-like, very yeah. flat, very simple. Stable. Yeah, like a train. Yes, on the track. that a lot of people have been surprised to see that. Well, suddenly this looks actually harder to fly. Something must be wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's because of yeah, previous experiences. Something wrong with it because now it's got this this incredible variation that, and it's directly down to this airflow that's being simulated. Of course, maybe it has to be tweaked a little bit here and there. But I think for a lot of people, they didn't realize that without that airflow simulation, it's it's going to be very different than what it is with it. So there's going to be a little bit of of learning even for very, very experienced people. Might, Definitely. Might be a little hard for them to come to grips with the idea that, you know, I've been flying the most realistic aircraft that's available in simulation, and you're like, if they didn't simulate the air around the plane, that's like a ship simulator saying, yeah, you know, we have the most realistic ship you've ever seen. You know, we didn't uh, simulate any water effects. We didn't simulate the thing on water. A plane is floating through the air. So without that, it, there's going to be huge differences. The question will be, will they accept what they're being told is correct physics now? That's going to be a little bit of an area where there's going to be some gray area because they've never had it before. How do we know it's right? That kind of... Well, there's the mathematical that kind of aspect that have been put in, right? You do have your friction coefficients and all of that that have been inputted. Um, so there's there's all the mathematical physics that can directly be applied and it has been applied uh but going back a little bit to your uh to your comparison with the flight model and how well essentially well you said the boat with the water which is a very good example to say it um it is exactly what happened right you can say you have a great simulation for your plane but it's not just the plane it's the rest and other simulators have been lacking the rest the weather the actual air simulation around it and because this new simulator from Microsoft is actually bringing aerodynamics as well as ground geometry modifying the the air simulation and the weather is also added to that suddenly you have this whole big mix everything's together now and that impacts the plane all the time on all the surfaces that are calculated for every frame so we are 10 times higher than before in realism but at the same time, it means that it may not be exactly as you think, right? Suddenly, stalls might not look the same thing as, as anything we've seen before. Aerodynamics are not as stable as what we were experiencing in other simulators. So just yeah. be aware of that. It's one of those things that people might have a negative opinion on at first because, well, it doesn't feel like right, uh, the right thing to fly, but right. really it is. So that you're actually getting the real experience there. 
and don't forget that every plane that has been uh, put out there from a Sobo is itself a plane tested by different pilots who have flown the real airplane. Yeah. So they got feedback from a lot of people. This is a real full-blown project. And of course, they're still in the project of implementing those changes as they come about, as information comes into them. I mean, yeah, there's going to be an element of the model that is still going to be, yeah, you know, that's, that's not quite right. And a lot of it's going to come from the feedback from actual pilots so that they really know you know, a little bit wonky at, at this speed or, or whatever. It might have strange characteristics that we're totally not familiar with because we are used to various levels of that rail experience. You may have the head shake and you may have some other like AccuSim and things that are attempting to add that natural feel to it. And some of the developers are better at it than others. But I think it'll be a learning process for both. It'll still need corrections, but we will also need to be able to deal with the corrections. It's not misbehaving. It actually is supposed to be like this. And we'll have to I adjust never, through old yeah, habits. And never experienced it. So that's going to be a little hard to, I don't know. And that's why it's going to be fun. We're going to be able to start. Some of us are going to be able to start from scratch. We're going to be able to learn from the very beginning. We're going to break old habits. We're going to learn things the right way. And hopefully, as time goes by, on more and more detailed and more and more realistic aircraft. So. Yeah, good to be in on the ground floor, right? And yeah, also the Sobo people did get their PPL and did learn, did fly. Uh, and in today's uh, Q and A live stream that we had, uh, hosted by Jane, uh, it was very interesting because they said at least everyone got at least an hour of flight, got at least one moment where they were the one in the plane, understanding, you know, at least the environment that they're trying to recreate both for the the simulation the plane the environment the weather and all of that so it's great that they were investing not only you know into the simulator but also into the developers because both always link together and this was a really good uh a really good point to mention hey um good. i have a question go ahead go ahead and it's one that probably isn't asked frequently but right now i'm me and my friend are in the process of actually recreating a Beechcraft G58. And we were actually wondering, like, in Microsoft, is the Beechcraft G58 actually one-to-one -one scale? Has it been, like, measured and everything in the sim? I think they've... Didn't they use handheld laser devices to... I can't remember the, yep. the centimeter that they used. It was some very precise they did some essentially they um, did some 3d scanning yeah like what they use on the streets like when they um survey so that yes um multiple youtubers have noted this that they had flown another like okay so it, that was actually stardust a french youtuber who said this uh in the same video that i mentioned earlier about managing your expectations uh is that and other simulators, in the sense simulator, uh, as a game simulator, you were not going to drive, for example, for a truck simulator, we're not going to drive five hours for what would be in real life a five-hour trip. You would be driving maybe 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. It, wouldn't, it would be shortened, so you would not have that exact thing. Then he mentioned that for him, 
doing a Lyon Paris, which was his trip, I think, in this case. Don't quote me on that. But he said it was the exact same amount of time that it would take in a real plane to go from point A to point B. So, yes, in a sense, it should be scale uh, one-to-one. Now, you'll be able to kind of check. You will be able to check yourself. It's I wanna a few add days ago. To my question that I asked a minute ago. Yep. Um. So if you're to turn off crashes and go into the water in FSX, I know it bounces. Does it do that in the new one? I I think if you have damage turned off, I wonder if it would just kind of let. Oh, you know what? Careful. I think that Squirrel Squirrel did the multiplayer video where they were in British Columbia doing some bush. Bush flying, yeah, and it was funny because when he hit the water, it just rocketed him <laughs> into the sky. I'm wondering if that is a variation of the way FSX, like like you said, you would just bounce or scoot across the ground. I think it has to do with the realism settings, because if you have them set, you're gonna have that weird like that tone. The screen goes black, and it's almost like a Brain overload, you get that ping, it's and a, then it tells you you, you messed up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But don't forget, keep in mind that they then mention that, you know, in the simulator, it's it's a bit of a work in progress. It's a thing that continually evolves. So that kind of stuff is going to continue to be built on, and you'll see how they will probably fix these kind of things as time goes. Uh, and they're usually pretty quick at doing that kind of stuff, so I wouldn't be worried about that. But also think of another point where we do have planes that can land in the water now so yeah it depends if you actually and want to put those features in and i'm sure there's there's a bit of coding you'll have to do to to enable that um but essentially yeah, you, you could turn that on and technically you could land i think on water if you if you use those features correctly there's a lot of people that were asking about the the wake uh, with the um, icon and how it didn't leave a, a wake behind it as it was taking off or landing. So um, they're going to address the um, water physics, of course. And I would think once they do this as well, they're going to add, I hope, a few more complex float planes. I think the icon was a little, a little bit more simple. And the one funny thing is it has a weird reputation. We've mentioned it before. It's a rich boy's toy and all this stuff. But so far, everybody that's used it that we've seen on YouTube, and, and of course the developers, but the guys on YouTube, they, they love it. A lot of fun. But yeah, you can see where I think the damage must have been turned off in the one video because the, the plane was actually going underneath the water. I don't know. Cookie, did you see this? I can't remember the guy. He's flying and he kept increasing the waves until he landed. They actually went over him and it looked like a, a lattice work the water, the way that it turned into kind of this lattice work above your head because the icon had gone down under the waves because he set the wind speed quite high at like 100 knots. And when the wave hit the icon, it didn't register as crashed, although later in the video it did. So I don't know if maybe he had that. <laughs> it was just a brute physics, force method. <laughs> a delayed reaction, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Well, I mean, those are extreme conditions, right? They would not happen on the usual flight. But uh, I guess that's something they can fix as well, yeah. I kind of noticed something about the water, and I'm curious if anybody else agrees, or maybe it's just my mistaken impression. But 
it seemed to me, you know, I live down in Florida. We have a lot of thunderstorms. We have a lot of crazy weather. You know, in 10 minutes, it goes from sunny to absolute mayhem. And then 20 minutes later, it's back to sunny and you never knew anything happened. But to me, it almost seems like the wind speeds at the moment have to be set too high to see the corresponding level of wave, if that makes any sense. Like at 30 knots, what you would see, at least for me here in South Florida, it's not nearly as smooth as it is in the simulator. And certainly 100 knots and 150 knots, those waves were not nearly big enough, as crazy as that sounds. So I'm imagining they're going to tweak some of that, but I wondered if you'd noticed or gave that any thought that a couple of videos they showed that sliding from five knots to 20 to 50. But I actually think they're under, I think they're under adjusted a little bit. I guess, because I know that they told us in the live stream that uh, the the water, especially on the coast, uh, when there's different gradients of uh, of height between the the floor, so the ground itself, and the the water top, was adjusted manually, and I'd be guessing that because every single area is different, they had to adjust those manu- manually. There was no other way for them to do that uh, through an automatic means, or at least they wanted to get it right, so they did it manually. Uh, I guess this is something that could be also a bit manual um, because otherwise it would have been as easy as just putting a table and saying, well, at this uh, speed, you can put that type of wave at that wind speed, you can put that type and so on. And yeah, it's if, if it's this, then it's it's an easy tweak, but it could also be depending on where you are, right? It might be the tide too. Somebody mentioned wave yeah. heights also depend on tide. That was that's absolutely for sure. You know, we have the king tides in Miami where they've built so much on Miami Beach that now literally when the king tide is in, which is that extra special full moon, it literally floods half of Miami Beach. You get these, I mean, literally like by two feet, the ocean just comes in. So I think a mixture of the tides and the wind adjustment, and I'm sure they're going to do it because. They seem to be in, intent on trying to get as much right as they possibly can. They showed us that with the Without, seasons. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I'm somebody that's always asking about the surf. Somebody finally said, I didn't know how to describe it. I'm like, I want to see the waves breaking on the shore because sometimes when you're in IMC or when it's getting dark and you kind of lose your way a little bit, especially if you're on steam gauges, it's like when you break out of that, sometimes you're a little disoriented. And you can see that movement of the wave. You can see that. Remember FSX and FS9, they had that funny little white, sort of, I think, when you were 3,000 feet or lower. You'd see that little white effect as it approached the shore. And sometimes out of the corner of my eye, I'd be like, oh, wait. Oh, that's where I am. You, you got lost in the clouds and you weren't quite sure where you were without the glass cockpit. And it's like that effect for some reason, it's like I really wanted it to be in there because it kind of, gave me a little bit of extra uh, information and to think how the waves are being developed now and how the water is so great so far that it would also give you that added, depending on how much white cap you saw, it would also be an indicator, even if it was a little bit dark or the weather was bad, you could tell by the white cap, you know, what kind of winds you might face as you drop lower. So that's one, uh, 
that's one effect I'm really hoping they add. Well, they did mention in the uh, in the live stream the Q and A. They also mentioned that they're kind of reworking, you know, on, on the new effects system, like a new special effects. Uh, yeah. And that is it's a bit impressive because you know they've already made one they could just say well okay it's good enough we can focus on something else the fact that yeah, they're, they're not already fun. going to the next yeah. iteration tells you that it's more than just we want to make this game and leave so that should yeah. be a flag for people who are worried about that kind of thing yep. about long-term support about updates in the long term uh and about the quality yeah. you know you're getting what you're actually getting and in this case it's uh <laughs> it is exactly what they're they're saying it is which is great, and we're having and we're having an impact. I mean, I think for the first, I think it's going to take a little while for us to act, actually get used to the idea that, as you and I are speaking here, we have all these people listening. They're throwing in their comments, they're reading the forums, they're looking at Discord, they're reading Reddit, they're going into Avsim and, and other locations, and they're reading all of this. So they're literally getting this from us. So it, we we're going to have to realize that we have a little bit of. We have a little bit of power. So if there is something you really desperately want to see, whatever social media you're using, Twitter or Reddit or Discord, coming in to like a show like ours and just putting it out there, obviously somebody did because he said a lot of people are asking for, you know, smoke on the tires and, and where are the contrails? And that's when they went into the, oh, we're working on a new FX system. Now, they didn't really mention that at all in the top questions. Um that I've seen. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't remember ever seeing anything that specific. So they've obviously gotten that idea that we need to do a new FX system. Like we need to be doing it now. Or they realized that the older so, one is not yeah. good enough. Like they probably right. found and restrictions said, yeah. and limitations yep. of it. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And enough people were like making comments, but those comments obviously are from you all from us on Reddit. They're reading it. So, if there's something you desperately want and you know people that feel the same, put it out there. Put it on Reddit. Put your answers out there. I don't know if they're going to have a, for lack of a better term, a suggestion box. But I don't know if they're going to have that, but, you know. Yeah, and not only that, but remember also another thing that they mentioned in the uh, in the Q&A. And it's, it's a pretty important one as well. Uh, they mentioned that not only with the world and seasons, they already had a lot of things put there, but they were not happy with the fact that they just didn't have enough time to put everything in it and how they're so into it already. Um, and they called that actually World 2.0, right? Yeah, so we heard them say that, yeah. It's it's all about all these things, right? So you have, you have the snow, you have all these things. It's wh What do you think... They're gonna do. Do you think they're just gonna put like a an update and just through all the world 2.0 thing? Do you think they're gonna be able to kind of throw a few features now and kind of choose and update slowly through time? What do you think is is your bet on that? Obviously, there's gonna be the world is so huge. I think obviously it's gonna be the biggest area that they're gonna have the most requests for updates, changes. All oh, the bridges are under the water. The you know, if the mountain or the river is incorrect or, you know, there's a scenery tear, the the world is going to be a consistent, constant um, element to the sim that's, that's in progress all the time. The flight model, of course, will also be adapted. But 
it's exciting that they've even done this. To say World 2.0, that means this entire version that we have now is 1.0 in their mind, not, you know, it's the world and it's virtually done with a patch here and a patch there. Like, FSX had the two service packs. That's where the SDK actually came from, if I'm not correct. It was in one of those two service packs that were released for FSX. And so rather than thinking we got the world done, everything's great, and we're going to do two little patches in the first year, and we're not touching it again because we don't need to. They literally have done all of this work, stuff that we've never seen before, details we've never seen, technology that's not been available, and yet they see it as, oh, no, no, this is just the preliminary, this is the first go. We already have in our mind a yeah. vision of World 2.0. I know y'all are happy with what you've got now, but they really, really, sometimes it's a little hard because of the past. You're thinking, are they just sweet-talking us? There's always that element of doubt because when a few things happened in the past, you were a little worried about it. And they are really, really repeating and going into more and more slight little details that let you know they really mean this. This is not... It's crazy, yeah. August, Yeah, like it's August 18th and by, you know, June... Of 2021, they're high, dry, gone. Don't know if the servers are going to stay on. Don't know what's going to happen if, if you know, the world turns off and now we're going to be flying with, you know, eight terabytes of whatever we could manage to keep our hands on. <laughs> it's, it's just not that. Yeah. They've done all this work. It isn't even out yet. And Jurg is already calling it World 2.0. It's that's really astounding if you think about it. We haven't even seen World 2. Or world 1.0 in all of its. In, in all, all of his glory, glory. they're yeah. already in their minds on to a whole other level. Well, that's, that's what I love helpful. about them. It's, it's that level of details they're already committed to, and yeah. it's just, well, you know what? No, it's not enough. This is just the basic stuff. We want to have all these in-depth effects and, and seasonal. And stuff. You know what I it is? That. They're actual fans. You can tell. They're actually as geeky fans of Flight Simulator to various degrees. The fact that they went out and said, you know what? We need to really fly the real plane. We, it's not enough for us just to sit here at a desk. Well, I'm I sure, we yeah. See what it's really like. We should so ask. Really... Have developers yeah. for other video games like car, racing cars, or any kind of uh, right. car-related or other planes or trains or you yeah. know, all these things. Have other developers really done that? You know, that, that would be... I don't know if, uh, if people listening to us have an answer to that. Um, but, uh, that'd be interesting you know, to know if they jumped into formula one and yeah, that'd be, <laughs> oh man, I'm sure a lot oh. of developers would love doing that kind of thing. If you could actually immerse yourself into what you're about to develop for, uh, we're probably going to have a lot more developer interest if, if these kind of programs existed. And luckily it is Microsoft who has that kind of money to, to spend and to get the software right and get the right people and put it all together in the right manner. It's really important, and they did it really well. Yeah. I got a question. I a couple of questions. Yeah, Go we ahead. do have a couple of questions, yeah. I got one, or multiple, actually. As someone who has never played any simulator games, flight sim games, that, that on, on that matter, is this Microsoft Flight Simulator, is this the flight sim you'll be waiting for? from the top like will you uninstall everything else you got uh, all, all the other flight sims like, i'll tell you this many did 
I'll tell you, many did already. Uh, I still have FSX running, actually, so it's 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 still on my too. system. <laughs> I have the old moldy. But I guess we still like the vanilla. Yeah. I have the vanilla FSX. I think you know what I think is going to happen. To be honest. Uh, there will be those that are going to be early adopters, and they're going to go immediately. There are those that were fans of Flight Simulator all along. They're going to they're going to love it. It's back. It's an old friend. There are some that are from other sims that are open to the newness, and then there are some that are very loyal. They spend a lot of money on their sim, and they love it, and it's kept them over the years. What I think will happen is as the – for those – I don't want to use hardcore – Simmers as a term, those that are really serious, that it's not a game, it's an experience, and it's as realistic as I can get, I think when Microsoft proves that their flight model is equitable or it eventually, through its iterations, becomes a little superior to that version that they're on, they will. They will go, I don't think they're going to uninstall, but I think it's a strong chance that if flight model surpasses what they're experiencing now that they're happy and comfortable with maybe they'll want the space maybe the world is so beautiful but now i have the flight dynamics to go with this world i've never seen before and that's the big question is can microsoft get closer to the perfected flight model than anybody else can get to the scenery they're going to be playing catch up with the scenery while Microsoft is going to be charging ahead with the scenery, of course, they've got that advantage now. But if they can Always bring had. the flight model to surpass X-Plane P3D, that's going to be a very interesting battle between the two, if you want to call it a battle. So some yeah. people will uninstall it right away. I agree. But I agree. Some will wait to see. Some won't because they've invested too much. But I Wish think if the flight model, yeah. Yeah, but, I think uh, the flight model. Don't forget one thing, though. It's uh, it feels like it's competition, but they all have their own little market of its own, right? You have right. FSX with it old, uh, cheap and expensive and easy to get simulator for those that just want to get started for a few bucks when it's on sale. That is really great. That is really simple, and that works straight away. You can just go get that. If you were more into FSX but wanted it more advanced, yeah, you could go straight for P3D. You get an academic license and you're good. Only thing is, well, Lockheed Martin decided to say, well, officially we don't want you guys. Officially this is for training. This is not for simming. So they're not really looking for this. And even though they do some updates, it's still, they're not going to rewrite everything. Uh, from scratch the way it should be done to compete now with this new simulator uh and let's not forget you know microsoft flight simulator itself has been based on fsx code so we're still yeah. there as well and they're still having their their legacy uh support as well uh, but they're not really on that same they're not competing for the exact same thing then you have explain which is there and that's for the um, the points that it brings, you know, you have a flight model which has been well worked on, uh, and then there's all these add-ons that you can add to it. There's the whole plethora of them. It's it's crazy, uh, and those are the people looking for a more serious experience. Then comes the one simulator that brings a bit of everything into the scene. Right, you can totally use flight simulator. 
as a means for uh, companies that do simulators to have a graphic engine, right? You can just have the graphics. Boom, if you want to play uh, VFR with your training simulator at a pilot school for your PPL, well, there you go. We, we have the rendering engine for you. We have uh, the Earth. You can roam on it, and you can keep whatever flight models that you want on it. It's up to you. That'd you can have... That you can check outside your window. Yeah. Yeah, you could. I mean, just, just put a That's VR the... or try Kayong. I don't... Put a screen, you guys right? saying, saying letters, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We keep forgetting. Yeah, when you say VFR, basically... And... <laughs> visual basically, flight rules. You have visual on the ground. You can see, you know, the rivers. You can see roads below you. You can see mountains. You can see buildings. VFR is visual flight rules. You're flying... And by looking outside. By this visual, yeah. You're basically looking outside. You, you, you use the landmarks. You've any game before. Not, yes. not, to this, not to this level. No way. So now you're, you're not, at not another a level. Awesome. No way. That is just yeah. awesome. I feel it that. Is. That's why a lot of people are excited because for years and years, the IFR, which is the instrument flight rules, which is basically your instruments. You know, you're flying off of your instruments because maybe you can't see outside or you followed a flight plan and you're going to you know, do things official. But you haven't been able to fly visually because the ground just is not a close enough representation that you're going to get lost, but yet you don't even really know where you are. That's why I used to literally fly up and down the coast. I used to take a, an atlas, a map, and I would fly up and down the coast of, let's say, British Columbia up to Alaska. Now, Queen Charlotte Island is a huge island. Vancouver Island is a huge island. They are in FSX. And they relatively have a shape you can recognize. But once I would go inland, there wasn't enough detail at all. I couldn't figure out where I was if I was trying to fly, just sightseeing, just looking out the window. Just get in a Cessna, nothing fancy, fly over my neighborhood, fly over my, you know, my, my football stadium, whatever, and just go have a look. And I think the people that, like me, I, I didn't really do a great job. I, I used a keyboard to fly. So airliners were hard to control, especially on landing because of the inputs. It was terrible. So I just kind of flew around sightseeing. But now I'm going to have the opportunity to not only do what I normally do, but now I'm going to try to learn how to fly these airliners and get these systems down. And and so it's kind of exciting. We have, we're going to have a lot more people doing a lot more different kind of flying. Not just going to be eighty percent airliner and twenty percent, you know, lost in your Cessna because the ground looks like some other planet. That, that finally for the first time is. That's not going to happen. Yeah, essentially, I it's groundbreaking. One more newbie question, though. One more it. newbie yeah. question, and I'm out. And sorry for just... the, the gigrish that we were sending out that you did not understand. We're sorry yeah. for that. Right. Uh, that's okay. This is this is just a curiosity, because when I when uh, when I decided to finally get it edited. Spend my money on this title through Game Pass, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I did some research, see what people think, and I see these videos that are three hours long, five hours long, flying from this to that, and yeah. I gotta ask you guys who are into this, what the hell do you do? What do you do <laughs> in those five hours? You're not sitting there. You are in making front of your sure those. You're How making many sure seasons those 500 of the office have you seen? Are... <laughs> I don't fly that way. But I, I've tried a couple of times. I tell the horror story, which is quite funny. In FSX, one time I said, you know what? I'm going to take this 747. I'm going to fly from California 
to Sydney, Australia in real time. I'm going to spend hours staring at the monitor. Then I got really tired. About 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh, I got to go to sleep. There's still like five hours left to go. So I went to bed, but I set an alarm. And I made sure it woke me up right about 30 minutes. Sure enough, I woke up. I'm like, wow, look at this. I am really, really close to landing. Let's see if I can figure out like how to flying. set everything up. And, and when I got there, the plane is descending. It's descending. It's, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to land center line, touchdown, perfect, beautiful. First time in my life, plane went through the runway, down under the ground, and there was a glitch. And then I just sort of skidded. Until the simulator said, you know, you blew up and you're dead. So, Disappointing. 12-hour flight, I think I'm king. <laughs> and I just went through the runway. I'm looking going, what on earth? You know, the gray is above my head. I'm like, what? So yeah. after that, Did I was traumatized. Save and, save and load? Okay, save, quit so, the game and load okay. in? Let's explain this a bit. Um, you have a few types of of people who fly in a simulator. You have the people that are going to do their very small flights, and some people enjoy a bit longer flights, like an hour, maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Uh, and I don't go above that, personally. Like, an hour, two hours, it's fine. I'm not going to do a transatlantic, because, well, I need... <laughs> I have something else to do. I want to do something else. I don't like just waiting for nothing for too long. So I tend to do, you know, a few hundred nautical miles, and that gives me an hour, two hours, sometimes three hours, but that's fine. Uh, then you have the people that are going to do an 18-hour flight. And, yes, these guys are totally crazy. I could not do that. And uh, I have admiration for these guys. They should definitely get a pilot job because uh, they're worthy of it. Uh, in a sense, these oh, yeah. people are looking for... I don't know. They they have this thing. So it's it's kind of like people have their own little things that they like to do. And some people just watch a movie, you know, while waiting for their plane to continue. Uh, then you have third-party add-ons that have certain features like, uh, well, we'll just pause the simulator before you reach your top of descent point. So the point where you have to start your descent uh, into the airport. So we'll just pause it there. So technically, you, you set your plane, you can take off in and it'll just pause for you. So when you come back after a day of work or a school, then boom, you can go and do the landing. Um, and that kind of logs some time for you. So you still have that uh, pilot log where you say, well, wow, look, I did this 18-hour flight. It was great. I did everything that it was supposed to do, and it works great. Uh, so I guess that's kind of like the, the opinions that you might have. Yeah, it really depends on the person, and not everyone's going to be like that. So... Uh, don't worry, you'll you'll find people that'll just do twenty minutes flights as well. There are twenty minute flights. Well, some people like that, you know. I'll just yeah. take off from my airstrip and I'll just go next door, and uh, have a good time. Yeah, and they'll do multiple of those little tiny hops. Do a couple. I've been listening circuits. through this entire yeah. thing. I've been listening to everything you guys are saying. You guys seem to have the ins and outs of this entire game that's not yet been released. In my head, oh. I gotta ask, I gotta ask a question. Are there some sort of ring flying or treasure hunting or something like that like on the top I of mount everest are... there will be like a yeah. little nice <laughs> flag for you to collect achievement <laughs> for that collect I all think, 20 flags i think they're going to create they kind of said today they're not really going to do a lot of like gamey style missions because they are definitely wanting to make sure that that we all realize yeah. it really is made for simmers but i am positive that with especially with the SDK and other things, there are, people are going to start creating content here like never before. 
you, me, professionals, I am sure there's going to be some missions. I'm sure there's going to be a career mode. I'm sure there's going to be a kind of SS economy where you start, you know, flying small bits of cargo in a small Cessna, and as you deliver, make money, upgrade. I think those will be add-ons, and I don't think they'll be terribly expensive. I'm sort of hopeful because of Orbix. They kind of showed you that they're not going for the $49.99 add-on, at least initially, where suddenly you're spending hundreds of dollars on five things. So, yeah, I think there will be people that will... Well, they're going to be Easter eggs. That's something you might not have heard that term. These will be things hidden in the sim. They've always had them. Like, uh, if, you flew over Kil- yeah, if you flew yeah. over Kilauea in Hawaii on, at the right time of day or whatever that date was, it erupted. I know because I flew through the flames and died. But, uh, <laughs> like, Oops. yeah, I'm like, oh, what the hell is... That was it. I was dead. Um, they have fireworks on the 4th of July. Uh, I did, there's another one. They had uh, Charles Lindbergh's house is in FSX, and there's a plaque in his yard. I read this because obviously I never found it. So there's going to be <laughs> Easter eggs and fun surprises sprinkled around, but somebody's going to create missions, especially for the new people that are coming in that want a little something else to do on top of just, wow, I'm flying around from A to B, and it's really nice. And then maybe three weeks later, they're like, well, now what do I do? For the people that aren't, you know, into it yet, I think somebody's going to do that. I'd like to add on to your points because there's two things that you said that are very important in a sense. First one is everyone's going to get the SDK. Everyone's going to be able to play with it. That's a big one because you could just be someone who doesn't have a knowledge, but let's just say you know a bit of 3D modeling for Blender. Uh, and you know how to slap textures and so on, you can technically get yourself going, right? So everyone has that SDK available. When you download the game, it's there. So everyone can play with it. It's the same strategy as Epic Games. You know, it's everyone can have your simulator, your game engine, your SDK, your so your so this, so that, whatever. You get access to the main tools. Then, well, Epic said, you know what? If you make a million or above, then we'll start looking into into getting paid but before that it's all yours that's that's what they said and they put everything for free so anyone can actually access it and and go with it use it work with it learn with it and that's the thing that microsoft did as well they're putting it out there so anyone can start learning and there's going to be new people that did not think they would go into this path that will and that means that you know the community of add-on developers will be able to grow so that's one point the second point is the modification and the price structure that Orbix put out there and the adaptation of add-on prices based on the new quality that now we're getting with a new simulator. Now we're getting scenery that is hell a ton times better. This thing works. This thing looks really great. Uh, we're getting a higher level of detail around the earth. So scenery development will have to also be bumped up. So that's that's a standard you will not be able mm-hmm. to have minimal quality uh, for a no. payware at the same price as Orbex, for example. So they will work this out. But what's interesting is bringing down the price of your scenery makes it also more accessible to a lot of people, which would not have been customers otherwise. And because there's a lot more customers this time with 
the the more general gamers that Microsoft is also trying to bring in, as well as the Xbox, and just the rest of the market that they're bringing. It's not just the hardcore simmers anymore. They might see actually an increase in in uh, in their sales if they can get more of those people with more reasonable prices. Uh, so that's what I think too. That that is very interesting. Now, hopefully, other add-ons will also be the same. Will we'll also see that philosophy and understand when they're looking for it. Uh, of course, certain products will not apply to this. PMDG being a great example of this, uh, because they are seen as the leader in the flight simulation uh, for the seven three seven, the triple seven, and the seven four seven, and. These ones are probably going to stick at around a price. Well, we, we we've seen estimations and uh, uh, and prices, uh, which is pretty high. You know, 140 bucks is a lot for a plane. Uh, but those who are going to buy this plane are not looking for quick scenery for things to look better. They're looking at something they will spend hours on learning and playing with and eventually understanding the plane to the point they're going to fly it for more hours than they know. Uh, and that is another top investment so those prices will not drop but things that are more i'm not going to say commodities because they're not they're every add-on is has its own category but those that are usually more easily downloadable and you don't really need a lot of knowledge to go through so a lot of customization add-ons as well there's tons of categories out there these guys if they adopt the same pricing strategy as orbex will probably also benefit from it and uh and that will be great for, for absolutely everyone. That'll be a great thing yeah. for everyone's wallets. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's going to have to be something special to be able to charge for it now. I mean, the, the simulator is at such a, a high standard default that we've not really seen before that they're not going to get away with some, oh, just slap some lights and a sign and some skid marks in the runway and we're going to charge twenty seven ninety nine for It's not going to happen. Yeah. And you and I are going to be able to do that level for sure. Well, maybe not me, but, <laughs> you know. A lot of so people will be able to play with it and get the basics running for sure, yeah. Final question. And it might be a Debbie Downer of a one. Maybe, depending on the answer. Is there <laughs> anything in this title, Flight Simulator 2020, that you, you're disappointed that it ain't included? Like what you've been used to before? Oh, damn. That's a hmm. question. Do you have any idea, Faraiel? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what that would be. I mean, the question could be not. It's perfect. It looks good. Yeah. So the well, answer could um, be that. Okay, we could say there's a few things that we could always talk about, uh, but those are usually in the in the release time sure. schedule more than anything. Uh, and I guess this is an answer that's kind of yeah. hard to to give before we actually test the simulator. Because all we've seen is is the media content uh, through journalism and YouTube videos, uh, as well as the updates on the website and Discovery series. So it's it's, it's kind of hard to figure out something that you could say is really I'm already disappointed. Uh, one thing I would say is probably the freeware community will have to wait before they can really engage and be pushed forward by by the game in Microsoft. So that's probably one of my regrets is they'll have to show, you know, the greatness and the possibilities that the SDK can provide. They'll have to show the best from the beginning. They'll push the 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 payware. So I and then there's development. Yeah, I can think time. of something. Yeah. 
Go for I it. I think of something myself. This is going to sound kind of petty. I'm not, I, if you want to say disappointed, there, there's different levels, really, really minor. But I, I was hoping that we would have a kind of damage model, not that, you know, showed explosions and all this excessive, you know, stuff. But the one I really wanted, or I'm hoping that someone will somehow do, is I want an option to have damage or failures that I don't know about, that I didn't set up to start, that I didn't choose which ones to have, that I did not set the time frame like within uh, two hours you're going to have, uh, you know, a, a specific failure. I, I don't want to know what's coming ahead of time because I want to test my troubleshooting and my adaptability and my adaptive skills. Once you've troubleshot and now you you know you've got to aviate, navigate, all that all that lot. I want an option where you don't know that it's coming. That every time you get in the sim, you're going to take a flight. You don't know if everything is going to run. You know it's going to be great. You don't know if you're coming back so without an incident. Didn't see that. Yeah, I, yeah, kind of like. I don't think right now. I know you can set all kinds of failures, and they have plenty oil leaks. They did have a showed in the menu a fire engine problems. I don't think they have bird strikes, but they, they have failures that you can choose and then you can set a time span that they will occur in. But no matter what you do, because you've chosen the failure or the time span, let's say you, if there's an, an ability to choose a random failure, but I don't think there's an ability to choose a random failure at any given time. And if the aircraft is persistent in that you flew it on Monday, you waited a week to fly it again, I think this will be an add-on aircraft, that things will have happened. The battery could have drained. The gas could have gotten tainted with water. You know, there may be an issue with the oil or a spark plug. I think those will be on add-ons, but I'm not sure anybody is going to make an add-on that makes failures com as an option completely random and completely unplanned that you do just like in real life. You get in the plane, you have no idea that some instrument's going to fail. Do you know how to determine what's wrong? Do you know how to still land the plane? For me, that would add a kind of excitement and uncertainty, a little bit of realism that, that way. So awesome. that's the one thing I wish, really wish, who knows, if enough people want that kind of experience and say, you know what, I, don't, I want to choose that I don't know when it's coming. I want to choose that I don't know what it's going to be. And I want to see if I can fix that problem. Menu. Yeah, Thinking save my life, save my plane. Yeah. And you might fly a year with nothing, or you might get unlucky and you have a landing gear failure two weeks into the your experience. But it really would be cool not to know. Right now, every time we get in the simulator, unless we set it up, nothing can happen to you. Nothing can happen to your flight. Everything is going to come back. The weather adds some element to that. Yeah. The weather, weather is good enough bad. that I think there'll be microbursts of some degree so yeah you could have some weather related surprises which is great and if that's the only ones we have right now that'll be enough for me but i really would because i don't trust my ability to figure out what's wrong i'm not saying it from a standpoint of somebody that knows what they're doing oh it's because this happens you do this and that i want to see what would i do if i put myself in that plane and something went wrong and i need to figure out what that is and i'm losing altitude the ground is coming up to me, and I can figure out what's gone wrong, what do I do, how do I fix it, how do I adapt, is everything going to be all right? And the true that adrenaline rush. Yeah, it would just even though it's a simulator, you'd be you'd be like, oh, what are the, what are these what are these you know buzzers going off, and what's wrong, and 
with just sudden, and especially if you didn't know. There you are flying around. Oh, aren't the pyramids gorgeous? Wow, look at the Mediterranean. Beep, beep, beep. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You know, ding, 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 ding. Like, what in the hell? And before you know it, all that pretty sightseeing or whatever you were doing, suddenly everything changes. You didn't expect it. You didn't know it was coming, and you don't know what it is. To me, That's that cool. adds an element. There's actually more elements. Uh, if you think of just revisions where you have to sometimes disassemble certain parts of your plane, uh, if someone just puts it back in the wrong spot, that wouldn't be right? fun. That's extra right. stuff. You did your annual and they made a mistake. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you're, you're in, right. Yeah, Something they... like A2A uh, where you just have you know damage over time from your the way you fly uh, and maintenance and all that stuff, that would be amazing and would pull us away from the basic... Uh, well, I turned on a failure in my brain. I know I'm going to have a failure because I turned right. it on and I cannot ignore so it. Consciously, you're prepared for it, right? You can't yeah. forget that you did it. Exactly. And that removes, that removes the perfect example of a failure. Can you troubleshoot an unknown, unexpected, unplanned problem? It could be a simple problem. It doesn't have to be something that's going to, oh, God, the plane's going to crash, everything's going to die. It doesn't have to be something like that. Because a lot of people are against, oh, they don't happen very often. I don't understand why you want this in the sim. Well, then I don't understand why real-world pilots, especially airliners, have to go over and over and over emergency procedures. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Then that's why, are they, realism, why yeah. are they being trained for it? No, if they happen often, you're going to pretend because they happen often. But because they don't happen often and you are supposed right. to, to exactly. know it, then you practice well, we but, do know uh, they happen enough yeah. because you yeah, have yeah. YouTube well, channels like GA, Fast Aviation, right? We have four accidents, yeah. We have they four fatal accidents a day. Because there are so many flights that they, they there's so, right. you know, so many moons of flights, they still happen. It uh, looks like very often because they happen almost every day some, 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 something happens. But you need to yeah. take into account that the number of flights you have in a day across the whole world, yeah. there are a lot. So it's right. still a very relatively small chance of you having that feel. Good point. But, but uh, it, it's, it's nice to practice point. them. Yes. It's yes, nice to course. practice them. But the other element of practicing and practicing, I can understand that part. You want to practice a specific failure like they do in a, in a full motion simulator to see, you know, how they react to it. But the true test is when you do not know that it's coming. If they put the pilots yeah, in a full makes, motion uh, simulator and didn't tell them what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking for that as well, but currently some add-on developers for X-Plane and P2G, they have on their add-ons an option where you can uh, trigger random failures at a random rate. So you can choose you want a random failure every 20 flights, every other flights, or everything random. So you have yep. th those options. Exactly, but those are add-ons and they're specific to a plane. Yeah. Right. Correct, so if correct. they could have that as part of the simulator itself and a toggle could say if on or off, you want uh, wear and tear and all these different things to happen with all your planes, or you can choose whatever planes you want, that would be a major plus. Uh, also, yeah, another cool. point is that general aviation tends to be more dangerous uh, than airliners. Or, yeah. There is a lot more accidents with the... With I think the... there's four fatal accidents a day in general aviation somewhere in the world. Yeah. I think that's the figure. I was watching Aviation 101 and a couple of the people, and he's really trying to do... He's a partner, and they're really trying to get to the bottom of why these accidents in GA are not really getting better. Year after year, we're getting more and more technological equipment that... that 
helps us out, you know, better radar and collision avoidance systems and all this new technology. And he's like, the fatalities are not going down. So we need to look, they're trying to look at, you know, what it is about the handling of the plane. They set a new speed for the airplane. They have a kind of a, an equation to tell you, listen, for this plane, at this speed is the lowest controllable uh, speed that you can have that you can expect to have any real control over the plane. So they're trying to get, you know, GA pilots to focus on this. So that's why I thought it would really be cool to kind of, obviously you don't want that to be a default. And obviously you want to have the random or specific so you can train on those as well. But the element that you do not know it's coming, whether it's 20 or 50 flights, that part of it is really, really, I don't think it's ever been done except on, you know, third party, yeah, third party right. stuff. So that's going to be a fun I, one. I think it's important. Yeah. So. Who knows? If enough people, well, now that we have all this, this VFR that's possible, now that GA is actually a viable alternative, if you really want to have a realistic flight because of the scenery, because of the fidelity of what you can see generically out the window. I think that this is going to open up a whole new area of of flying in the flight sim because, like I said in the past, you just couldn't do it. There was no point. I mean, you could do it, but it wasn't real flying as far as in relation to an IFR airliner. So maybe if enough people decide, you know what, I'm going to give GA a try. I'm going to give VFR a try now. Maybe they will say, you know what, I want this element. I want to see if I'm up to the challenge of an absolutely unexpected failure, if it's severe, if it's not, but if it is severe, can I save myself? Can I save the plane? Did I troubleshoot it in the right way? Did I do it fast enough? And and you know you've done it without any foreknowledge whatsoever. It just totally changes yeah. the experience. That is something so that would have been done in a full motion simulator by the instructor or the person evaluating you who would be at the back and, and said those. So, yeah, definitely having a software do that for you is going to be, well, would be a great thing to have. And hopefully it's something that can be made as an add-on that can be applied to every plane. And that will allow everyone to have access to it and for every plane. So that would be something I would love to see. Uh, and we can only hope that, you know, a great add-on developer picks up that kind of uh, idea and, and works with it, uh, hopefully yep. to to bring just that little extra thing that would make a thing the sim perfect. Yeah. We have makes questions. It scary. <laughs> Think about it. It's yeah. a little scary. We have questions? I want I'm going to... I know there's someone like... who's trying to speak. Go for it. It's just like a thought. If yeah. they had something like... You know how they have that sim and you could be ATC? Yes. If they had something like that for ground crew, where you can be like, you could drive the pushback truck, that would be cool. Like driving the the ground truck, like, driving. Yeah, like doing the ground trucks or pushback. doing cargo loading or all kinds of different ground crew stuff. I'm guessing in a way, there is a way they could work around to do this. While it's not Microsoft's goal to do that kind of role play and and kind of move to a simulator that's not just plane but also airport uh, they could still 
well, with with the SDK, an, an independent developer could totally yeah. uh, try to create a little plane that has four wheels and uh, and <laughs> that looks like a tug, and then they could totally do that. I mean, if they um, if they figure out a way to be able to attach or at least move another plane with their tug, then they could be up for it. That that would be uh, a fun way to to kind of hack around the original intent of the SDK for your own purposes. That would be fun to see how they do it. Uh, and if someone does this one day, <laughs> I want to know. Because that would be very interesting to see how they ended up doing it. And, I mean, in a sense, for some people, they will want to have that kind of thing. It could just bring people in from uh, different, you know, points of interest. So, <laughs> sure, yeah, that would be fun. Definitely. So I have a question. Go for it. Since they have multiplayer and you can be like first officer, could you also be a passenger in the cabin? I kind of think so because of that AI control of the aircraft. You could move I, your I think as if well. I'm right, doesn't that mean that the AI could literally fly the plane for you? Uh, yes, one I think check? it would. I would think it would kind of do that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have not. I don't been know if it would land, that. but. I wonder I mean, if like it could fly in. Like multiplayer, you know, like someone could be flying and then other players could be in the back of the cabin oh. or that would be probably together. Uh, I mean, the closest I could think to that would be shared cockpit and then you move your camera at the back. Could you and... move your camera inside the cabin? Well, in, in certain planes you can. Like general aviation, yeah. essentially it's it's one cabin, right? Between the pilot and the passengers behind. Small planes, it's, there's no separation. Um, bigger planes, not sure. I'd really have to look uh, more into that, and I'm sure a lot of people will look f and and testing that once they have the sim. Once because the thing is out, I know on X plane you can go around, you can move the camera around inside the cabin. It's slightly detailed. Yeah, and but then on multiplayer, it means that you'd have to connect to another person's plane. So. Unless you fly your own plane and you're following the exact same trajectory of the plane that you're trying to be in, and then you move your camera, then you might be able to get in, but that will not work as soon as one of your plane moves and it will desynchronize this. So, I mean, there's no easy way right now. Uh, the only thing I could think is someone kind of hacks the, the SDK for the shared cockpit, then there could probably be a possibility. But, again, it's kind of pulled further away from the original intent of the SDK. It's a good question, though. I'm just typing in the event chat. That'd be cool. I mean, why not? I'm not against the fun part. A lot of people are, oh, you're not serious. And blah, blah. I'm like, well, sometimes, sometimes you want a little bit of fun. It doesn't mean that I don't want to learn how to fly as correctly as I possibly can, that I want to look at the flight management system and not be absolutely utterly confused or in doubt of how to properly use it. I want to, I want to do those things as well, but sometimes, yeah, I would, I'd like to try to land, rescue somebody off of a Denali with a plane with skis. And I was actually supposed to take that flight as a matter of fact, in real life. That's why I keep rambling on about that particular, I think it was a mission in FSX. Somebody's injured Mount Rainier or one of them, but the yeah, we were supposed to one? take a, we were supposed to land on Rose Glacier on uh, Denali in Alaska, but the weather was too bad, and I'd already paid for the um, excursion, so they, they're going to give me another one, which, oh, don't worry, we can do a summit flight, 
in this itty bitty plane. They're like, but we don't have oxygen. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, bring in a bottle of oxygen and you could just hold it to your face and we're going to go over the, we're going to do a summit flight. And I'm thinking, dude, no, that's just, I was like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. Weather was bad. <laughs> so I was like, Oof, I don't know. It'd be just my luck. Oh yeah. He crashed into the summit of Mount McKinley like an idiot. You know, why did he do it? You know? So I was like, no, I think I'll pass it. That was the flight we we're supposed to take. It's the one thing I didn't get to do on my huge excursion to Alaska was land in a plane on skis on a mountainside. And then what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to get out of the plane. This was the crazy part. The lady I went with, she's like, I'm not doing that. If you pay me a million dollars, you have to get out and push the plane. <laughs> and you give it a little itty bitty head start and then you clamber inside the plane and off it just takes off from the glacier. She's like, not in a million years. You will never, I will kill myself, but you will not kill me in that plane. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so she's like, you want to fly over the summit with oxygen now? You could do it by, you could die by yourself. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, like, well, oh, you gotta man. make a choice. Come on, we're getting ready. I'm like, oh, I should do it. I should do it. But, uh, after I saw the paragliding people that were right in front of me, I was, you run down a hill and then leap off of a cliff in Alieska pretty big cliff and i'm the next group to run down the hill and you're leaping off with somebody else obviously they didn't know what they're doing and they got tangled and they both almost fell off the cliff this was another one she's like you're trying to kill me and so by the time we got to that end of the trip with the ski glacier the plane take off she was like not having it so i didn't get to do that so i want that mission if that makes me not a real a real sim pilot or whatever, you know, if that makes me, oh, you're a gamer, you're not a simmer. Sometimes I want to do something fun. I want to do something with a goal. I don't want the sim to turn into, you know, an arcade, stick the quarter in, the game is over. I don't. But I don't think it's a disaster if there are some fun elements. I think the landing challenge is going to be great fun. I'm going to be terrible. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even imagine how <laughs> terrible I'm going to be. It's, I can't wait to see, you know, how many circular spins do I do up Courcheville before I smash into the, you know, the, the maintenance hangar or something. I'm sure you so, won't be the only one as well. There's going to be a lot of people. I keep forgetting, though, I have the yoke. You see, I can't remember. I keep forgetting I have the honeycomb yoke. I still picture myself. With the keyboard. Because for 20 years, that's how, yeah, <laughs> for 20 years, I flew that crappy-ass keyboard. was an absolute disaster. I could fly, everything's fine, but landing, going over here, going right, going left, everything looks great, 100 feet to go, womp, 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 disaster. So yeah. I keep forgetting <laughs> I have the honeycomb, so maybe, a bit of a disaster. Maybe I can place in the top 100, you never know. I won't land, maybe I won't go into the maintenance hangar before I actually touch the runway. Because the keyboard just, I don't know it was not the same what thing. the deal was. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's the kind of thing where you just, you have little to no chance uh, to, to do a very smooth landing, especially with the way FSX was working in its flight model and the switching between the flight model and the ground taxi model. Um, yeah. And the transition there was not really smooth as well. So I've heard yeah. I've heard oh, if you yeah. too smooth of a landing, you can actually damage the landing gear in real life. Oh, yeah. And the taxiing, you talk about an abomination from hell. Trying to taxi with a keyboard in FSX, you might as well just 
full throttle into the terminal. I mean, left, right, weave this way, weave that way. You correct. By the time you corrected it, you were already going the other way. Then you're, you're going too fast. So then you slow down and you stop and you're raising and raising and raising the RPMs. It's like, why is the plane not moving? I'm at like 14 RPMs. That was a major RPM. issue. Oh, God, dude, it drove me. Yeah. It drove me crazy. The so when the Bravo throttling up yeah, when, and you were not moving oh, until about yeah, yeah, 40 50 percent on your throttle right and with the keyboard the you're not you don't have a throttle to look over at and say oh look this is where in the travel of the throttle where it actually is it's like you're using a keyboard going tap 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 oh that's not enough tap tap, tap. oh that's too much ding 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 it's back and forth it's just absolute you know what there's one thing i want to ask you i just thought of it some yep. people use the mouse as a yoke and I have a buddy on Discord. I don't know if he's if he's still in, but he uh, he flew a lot with a mouse as a yoke. And I see the mouse is a controller in the menus, but under the mouse, I think it said radio and something else. I'm wondering, has anybody seen if there is the ability for these people? He has a very hard time getting equipment shipped to him where he lives. So he can't just hop on Amazon and say, oh, I want that stick. He just doesn't seem to be able to get the equipment. He's like, boy, I really hope uh, I really hope I can still use my mouse until I find a solution. And I promised I would ask, has anybody seen that you could actually fly with the yoke? A mouse yoke. Wow. Yeah, a uh, mouse yoke. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it made a little might... box. It made a little box and you could move the mouse within this box and it yeah. I never used a mouse. I only used a mouse for the view, the camera view. But I was tormented well, by the crappy keyboard. Actually, so. funny thing, I do know someone who um who learned the mouse yoke method as well. Uh and it's very interesting because at first the mouse yoke, especially in FSX, has a bad reputation because a lot of people who use the mouse yoke are the people who just bought the simulator itself and don't have any hardware for it, so they don't even know the simulator itself. Therefore, they fly all over the place, and it's not beautiful. Then, <laughs> once you actually know the plane and everything and how you're supposed to fly, and you get more practice with the mouse yoke, apparently you do seem to get better with it and my friend was exactly that he was able to do something fairly smooth because he actually got the hang of the mouse yoke and most people don't hence that reputation for the mouse yoke so um the well, fact tell that... me that same thing doesn't apply to the keyboard because for 20 <laughs> years i never got the exact hang of that damn keyboard never i mean i tried everything i changed sensitivities i changed keyboards i had more patience you know wait 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 wait. don't overreact nothing worked yeah. very well i mean well, yeah, i get I within mean... you know a certain area and then psh, dude you land on the grass this is okay but, but even at lower speeds it's kind of hard to handle with a keyboard because sensitivity kind of <laughs> modifies itself with with different uh settings so I could understand that once you slow down and your 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 plane becomes more sensitive to to little changes, it will change the way you land. So you won't be having the same feeling in middle of a flight at cruising altitude than if you were actually uh, at 160 knots or 150 knots, full flaps, gears out, uh, half a nautical mile from uh, from the the runway. So. 
I can understand the issue yeah. with that. Uh, but at least yeah. now you can get a decent yoke. I'm not going to say it's cheap because for a lot of people, it's still a lot of money, yeah. uh, including me. It was. Uh, but at least you're getting the quality now that we're getting you know the honeycomb and all that stuff it's finally coming out we're finally getting some type of hardware which we can recommend and even though it's it's a little bit of a price it is still fairly competitive compared to what we've had oh, in the yeah. past yoko yeah and you got the yoko for a thousand euro a lot, or something. A lot like, of the oh. like professional grade competitors are like thousands of dollars exactly crazy. yep so finally, we're getting some decent quality uh, for a price that's reasonable. And uh, yeah, Honeycomb's actually going now. They're going forward, uh, controller so after controller. Apart, right? So so they're <laughs> going through the list, uh, which is amazing because now it's easier uh, for a lot of people to get high-quality stuff at a reasonable price. Uh, what I'm hoping now is to see more competition uh, rise up from the basic... Yeah. Uh, well, these guys do this. I'm going to keep doing my cheap yoke that I've been doing for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, see if we can finally get the quality and the price to be modified from the current standard. Because right now it's been, well, you can get something cheap and it's also very crappy. Uh, or it can, <laughs> or if you're lucky, you get the unit that lasts a long time. Uh, but most of them will, will start you know, wearing out after half a year, a year, Sticking, maybe two yeah. years. Um then so these can be throwaways, or you have your Bravo. expensive ones. The Bravo. Bravo file quadrant, and the, I heard something about rudder pedals. Yep, yep. So, yep. Rudder so, pedals are coming sometime in 2021 for Honeycomb. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do in between because I'll have the yoke and the throttle quadrant, and I'm one of these weirdos that kind of likes when I pick a brand if it's if it's got good quality, then I just kind of support that brand i, I kind of trust that brand so i would like to get the charlie pedals but i'm not quite sure because i think uh microsoft flight simulator this version is going to be challenging I, I know the rudder is already there's some sensitivity issues which i'm sure they will tweak but even once they tweak that it's going to be a little bit like what we were talking about before now that the air is simulated and all these other the ground effect is better simulated the rudder is not going to act the way people are used to because of this added dimension to the sim. So I'm thinking, how am I gonna control? I mean, there's buttons on the yoke, I guess I could use for rudder trim and set the other one as the pedals or something, but I've been wondering how exactly am I gonna do this for the six or eight months it's gonna take, or maybe a little bit more, uh, for those uh, rudder pedals to come out. I'm not quite sure. Buy a cheap pair, but I'm afraid I'm gonna get some aggravating that's gonna stick and there I am going off into the terminal or, you know, I become Harrison Ford because I land on a taxiway or something. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, overall, we're, we're finally moving. on the servers. Sorry? You have moderation, like moderators and admins, and could you get banned? What, what are you talking about? Oh. Like the game? Yeah. Like the simulator? The yeah. Uh, we don't know much about that, uh, and if they do this, it would it would cost them time or at least effort uh, or money. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people on there at first. 
Uh, I hope they do find a way. Maybe it's going to be kind of a rating system like Foscon, uh, or it could just be a uh, a report system uh, because they technically do not have uh, a feature to kind of play back. Uh, they don't have like a replay function yet. Uh, technically, there's kind of no way to prove something. Uh, I guess what could happen is they could have some checks on the realistic flying multiplayer server, for example, and say, well, if we're seeing erratic behaviors, then we could kick you out of there. And, you know, there, there could be some kind of checks like this, which kind of look at what kind of inputs am I getting from this plane or that plane. And the server would kind of estimate, well, this doesn't look right. Um, and I guess this is the kind of stuff which you could kind of get an, an AI working on, you know, do a bit of machine learning or just kind of get it working together where you can understand, listen, and see the, the usual behaviors. And that way you can detect those extra behaviors that are not supposed to be your normal uh, everyday flying uh, with the rules. That would be cool, but at the same time, it also means that, well, once in a lifetime, you're going to get this, well, actually more than a lifetime, you're going to get it probably more than once, where the AI could make an error, right? And it could kick you out even though you're good. So no matter what the method, or if they just don't have any, right, they could totally just say, well, you guys do it yourself. You do whatever you want, and if you're going to be annoying, then you're going to be annoying. Uh, <laughs> and then there's no much we can do. It's kind of up to Microsoft to see what they're going to do about that. Uh, I think they should do like individual servers and then just load the map, have their map, they'll have their like two petabytes still on their Microsoft server and then they'll have individual servers and people could just make their own servers. <clears throat> so that's the Steam Edition, FSX Steam Edition method. Um, and it used to be with GameSpy before. This is kind of done. This era where you can create a server and join it and have other people join your server this is a centralized multiplayer they microsoft themselves are host, uh, are hosting those servers uh and servers so if, if we go from um, from a, a tree perspective so first there's the servers in the different area of the world like you can have your your north america you can have your europe you can have your uh asia you can have your australia and and so on uh and then from there, this is where you have kind of like filters, where you have your real life rules, and then because they're the real life, they're live players, therefore you must have the real life rules, real life, uh, real time live weather, and the time must be the same for everyone. So this is a server that you join in, the weather is the real one, the rules are supposed to be the real ones, so you shouldn't be doing random things. Uh, and everything like that I mentioned is for applying for everyone. So that's the live players. Uh, then you have the all players. And there you can choose any time of the day, uh, weather, traffic. And that's made for anyone who can just come in and fly. And these people, you will be with everyone else. You'll be with everyone else. And they might be at night, you might be at day, but you'll be at the same position. What they're pretty much recording is the position. So your traffic, uh, you can choose if you want AI. Uh, and this will all be for you, right? So you'll be able to fly with other people and fly at the same time. And one guy be at night, the other guy during the day. It's kind of weird thought, but that's what it is. 
Then you have the third and final method of multiplayer, which is private groups. So you'd have to friend people through your Microsoft account, or should I say your Xbox account, and then you can send them an invite. You set the conditions for the, in quotes, server. So for the, we could say the the environment that you'll be flying in, the Earth. Uh, and then you set your own conditions. You set your own weather, traffic uh, for AI or real life. And then you invite the people that you want in. So you're not going to get everyone else. It's just going to be you and the people that you want. And that's the private groups. So to recap, live player which is real-life rules, real-time weather, everything is the same for everyone, and you have to follow the real rules. You have all players, you can choose any time weather traffic, but everyone will also be there, so you can fly together. And finally, you have your private groups where you have to friend people and then invite them, and you create the conditions as the host, and then that's it, you're all in there, and it's only for the people you invite. Hope that makes sense. It may be yeah. a lot of info to take in, uh, but if you want to look at it, look at episode 7, Multiplayer, from the Feature Discovery series. Uh, S Sebastian will tell you everything about it. <laughs> so, guys, yeah, guys, if you have questions, yeah, feel free. We're monitoring event text and uh, we're we'll do be... The podcast. Uh... Sorry? Uh, yeah. We're still going to do... Yeah, because I think I was right. My last question. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, cool. uh, yeah, Wasteland, we, yep. Wasteland Radio and I are talking about um, some of the peripherals and the pedals, what I mentioned. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, and um, he brought up some good points. Obviously, metal versions of these pedals are going to be better because, you know, it's different than a yoke or a stick. It takes a lot of beating because you're stepping on them, and we're just talking about, yeah, the $250, he doesn't expect Honeycomb's pedals to be metal, and I don't either. The plastic is pretty durable that I've noticed on the yoke, but that, like he said, it is different. You're stepping on these, and I don't know. Uh, we shall see. It was a good peripheral discussion. Um, do you have pedals, Cookie? Or, or no. how do you control? <laughs> no, certainly no. not. Uh, I do not uh, have pedals. I'm actually very, well, I couldn't say cheap, but... Uh, I don't spend a lot on uh, on hardware, so no, I don't have pedals. Yeah, I never did before. It's just when I saw Honeycomb, I don't know, I always hesitated with the CH, because back in the day, it was really expensive. The price hasn't gone up much. It's like it's in the $120 range the entire time, and I mean like a long time ago, like 20 years ago. But I never did. I'm like, oh, I can't afford $120 for a yoke, because obviously in 19... 97 or whatever that's a lot of money yeah and um but and then the the SciTech came out and there was an issue in the very beginning that a, a certain percentage of them had this weird issue with the, the travel of the yoke sticking now mm -hmm. some got that sticking travel issue later on after they had it over like three or six months but it was like 160 something roughly maybe 150 160 when it first came out and I again hesitated because the reviews I'm like dude I don't want to spend 150 dollars and it's going to be jerking and sticking I mean I should have thought it's better than the keyboard you idiot but I didn't it didn't <laughs> cross my mind I was hesitating and yeah. then now when honeycomb came out I'm like aha because back in the day the SciTech I think it was plastic if I'm not mistaken they did an upgrade to make the shaft um, metal, but 
I think in the very beginning, if I'm not mistaken, it was plastic. And they put this kind of grease on it so that it would kind of flow more freely, but it would get gunked up and it would stick. And you get these jerky reactions on landing with with really fine input. Yeah, it would not kind be smooth. Of hold and then let go. And yeah, so. I mean, she... the thing is, I did, um, I did go to Flight Sim Expo last year. Uh, sadly, has been canceled this year with COVID, but uh, I was lucky enough last year to to attend it at Orlando. And what was really great about it was I was able to test a lot of hardware. Um, a lot of them had the simulator, and you were having at least a yoke, and sometimes pedals, and and hotas, and and, and everything. So you were able to test a lot of different things. Um, and I kind of tested the pedals a lot, and I wasn't really excited by my experience now i know that some of those are probably cheap ones um and i don't even know the names of the one i was using uh, but the few that i tested and they could have all been the same i wouldn't know the difference to be honest um but all of them were somewhat disappointing for me because i never knew when the uh the center point was the dead zone the, the, the point where you're not moving right or left with your rudder that was a bit of a weird thing for me uh and then it's 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 there's no force in it right it's literally like a slider and i found that really weird because it's it doesn't feel like there's weight on it and as a result it feels very cheap and doesn't doesn't feel like what i think it should feel like um and then i guess I had maybe a bad experience and I'm sure now there's going to be better products because there's just a bigger market as well. Uh, so more options are going to come more competition and as a result, higher quality and lower prices for us. I hope that's what's going to happen in terms of yokes. Actually, I was pretty surprised how most of them were fairly fine. Um, but the honeycomb really had this nice, uh, texture that they have on it. And that just makes it very, very good. Um, on the other side, I also had the, the chance to test their, uh, I think it was their quadrant. Uh, they had the throttle, and, and they, they even told us, dude, be be careful. This is fragile. This is literally 3D printed. We just put it out there so you guys can kind of get a feel for what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like. Um, and you could feel they were really into it. They really had that passion of getting this thing going. So I hope we can get more of those uh, of those companies with people that really try to get something a high quality, decent price, uh, because it would be so worth it for a lot of people. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Something new that at least, uh, you know, it's going to make everything different. I figure I've done a bunch of things for the simulator that, you know, let's say last March, none of it was in my mind. I didn't know about the simulator, had this old computer, you know, none of that's in my mind. Playing FSX very rarely. I just kind of lost some of the connection to it. And then the moment I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, no. My computer will never run that. I don't know if I can afford a computer that can ever run that. Because I had that that FSX traumatic shock from how many years that it wouldn't run. And oh, all those config files. And you do this and do that. And Sometimes you'd spend four hours trying to make it run. And I just remember that thinking, wow, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I just made up my mind. I'm like, listen, it's a hobby. People spend a lot of money on hobbies. Some people like to buy, you know, the wife wants to buy 84 pairs of shoes 
for what I have no idea, or 75 purses, and and then and then they're going to yell and say, oh, I can't believe you spent $250 on a yoke. You spent $500 on a purse, and you have 14 of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm not making any more excuses for my hobby and the thing that I like, you know, that I'm working for and that I'm dealing with. So I said, you know what? You're getting a new PC, and try to get the best that you can afford and put the elements inside of it that will best try to accomplish this is before we knew what the specs were. Yeah. That's why they were such a relief. <laughs> and got the honeycomb yoke. I'm like, dude, you're not using the keyboard on a $3,000 uh, PC with a brand new unbelievable simulator and you're going to fly on that stupid keyboard? No. Yeah, That's it's really a massive so upgrade for you in a sense. You're going from uh, mouse and keyboard crap, on FSX yeah. to uh, yeah. a high-end computer yeah. with a yoke and I'm, pedals and well. I'm going from simulator holding simulator. a cup with a sign that says feed me standing by the expressway <laughs> pretty yeah. much help me please yeah. so yeah it's a huge i've never had a throttle quadrant at first i don't know what i i guarantee you when i first get this and i'm i'm, I'm coming into land i guarantee you it's going to be f2 f3 f2 f3 F, oh wait 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 oh, i got a throttle quadrant yeah i'm well, going to actually forget. funny thing for you um a lot of the keyboard commands from fsx are also in in the new simulator Control oh, E and and some of those things you are still start there. Start the engine. Yeah. Yeah. I want to check to see if the yeah. the other things like X for your fuel, uh, for your heading uh, adjustments, or all yeah. these things if they're still there, because that would be kind of fun, because uh, it's kind of like yeah. a little tribute to to its history. Because people, you need to remember, Microsoft's Flight Simulator is literally one of the oldest products from Microsoft. Like yeah, I think it is actually right. It's older Office, than Windows, so Office is newer, Windows is newer. Yeah. Like this thing is the biggest thing they have. Um, so it's it's just crazy how far you know they're getting this. So having those little keybinds kind of stick around, and I hope there's kind of a few of them. But at the same time, I guess evolution needs to happen. Um, but it's kind of nice touch to kind of keep the past with with us in the present. It's going to be exciting, though, to have have actual equipment. I will say that. That's going to be, oh, I can't wait. It's a big, Actually it's look a down push. at the throttle, and you can visually see how much power you have. Mm -hmm. Instead of this, because sometimes, you know, you've got the, the view of the virtual cockpit, and sometimes it's zoomed out where you can see everything. So when you're using the keyboard, you can see the movement. But a lot of times I'm trying to land. Obviously, I've zoomed in a little bit. I'm too close. And rather than, like, take my eyesight view off of the runway or what's going on and then to look down to say well how, what power do I have you're trying to read the RPMs and, and whatever it would just be nice to glance over and yeah. see a physical object like wow that's going to be it's gonna I think be that great. comes out in I think it comes out in I don't know anybody listening is it September October I think it comes out so we won't have to wait too long if you put in a pre-order I'm hoping I don't, I don't so that, yeah, that'll long, make no. a really big difference but uh, no. overall, yeah, it's coming up soon enough. And I think overall, people who right now are thinking of getting the simulator and have not had any simulators before, and you may not have hardware, consider saving some money aside for that because it is a big deal. Um, if you can, go see if you have friends that have controllers. There's Star Citizen and there's other games that are not flight simulation uh, that will use the same type of hardware. 
So try to look around, see what you can find, uh, even go in the used market. Sometimes even stores have uh, have demos for you, uh, even though it's not going to be as, as prominent with COVID. Uh, but do try to look around to see if you're really into that thing before you invest into it. But if you like it, invest in it properly. Do your research. There's a lot of people out there who are ready to to help with figuring out, you know, what's your budget and what type of hardware you want to go for. Um, and I think overall, um, yeah, I think I think you guys need to get at least a bit of hardware with you because you can't just go keyboard and mouse. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't do it justice. I'm sure that the new sim it just wouldn't do it justice to sit there and you're struggling with the controls and they're taking you out of the immersion anyway. Already got that beautiful scenery and you have all these things that are modeled and there you are. It's kind of like the same thing I said about the monitor. You've got this nice computer. I don't have a new monitor yet. You have this nice computer. You have this nice simulator, but you've got terrible controls. So the, you're fighting the controls, trying to enjoy the product. So yeah, it's kind of important. I wish I would have realized it. Although there wasn't an alternative. You basically had SciTech or CH and then this unbelievably expensive you know, from there. So it's like there for me there was never anything in the middle. So that's yeah. why I jumped when I did a little research on honeycomb. I'm like, this has enough quality and has enough options for me. I am gonna do it and that's why I did it. I didn't want to ruin the experience like using a keyboard. It's like having a Cadillac and you've you know, through our hamster wheel under the hood, there's just no point. So you know, it's important to as much as we can do that you know we're going to enjoy and we're going to spend on but that you know that helps along with the immersion i mean don't make excuses for your hobby if it's something you really love i bought a SciTech x52 is what i have yeah i'm thinking of getting a stick as well i've never i've never even had a joystick so i'm debating about that for some of the planes that um that fly with, with a stick so i still got to do a little research on that yeah, there's going to be lots of opportunities. Uh, people, if you want, uh, we are close to the end, so feel free to ask us a few other questions if you have any, uh, and then we will uh, we will conclude. We'll wrap uh, it up. Yep, for tonight. I'm going through trying to look, see if we have any that I missed. Do you have Ryan saying he's going bush flying? Oh, Ryan asked. Uh, Ryan eight asked, where are you guys excited to fly to? I said British Columbia, Alaska, Himalayas named a few more islands, Faroes, Shetlands, Hebrides. I don't know. Where are you most excited to fly? Well, yeah, the house, of course. <laughs> the house is the most... I'm going to land. I'm going to land in my in my neighborhood street and my backyard. Ah, yeah, that's nice. Cool. I mean, most people are going to go to the first place that they will recognize the most, which for everyone is usually their houses. Um, but then after... I guess some people have some memories associated with amazing vacation time or... You know, some areas where they used to go that were pretty sentimental to them. Uh, so I guess that yeah. would be some other places where people are going to go. Uh, then there's the sightseeing, you know, go to the cities that you can't go because you're stuck in isolation um, in your own country. Uh, so you could go explore, you know, all around the world, Jonasburg to Japan, uh, go visit Australia before going uh, back to India and then... Uh, you go to Europe before you yeah. try uh, transatlantic to go down to Canada, uh, U.S., Mexico, and, and explore. Uh, so that is really a thing. A lot of people have been planning on the Reddit. It's been crazy. Um, people have essentially been showing the map of the world with uh, uh, a lot of squiggly lines. 
And uh, <laughs> it's just amazing because a lot of people have been planning this now for almost months. So very crazy thing. Uh, to be honest, I'm going to go kind of explore Europe and go explore countries where I've never been. Right. So I'm going to start going uh, to Africa uh, and then kind of jump around going back north uh, and explore uh, Eurasia Ooh. afterwards. In a well, sense, because yeah, I was just going to add that extra point that uh, uh, the developers have also mentioned uh, Sobo that they're looking into working more on the places where we usually don't fly uh, because you know this is the, where there's less information. Yep. You know, you know how the White House has a restricted airspace? You could just yeah, fly TFR. the White House. Okay, yeah, you could totally land, land the, the TFR. Land the cub on the lawn. I mean, or yeah, if land you want to keep on the lawn. Or you can keep the TFR. What you can do is just be the Air Force One, but uh, that is not. I mean, it depends. Some people will do this, that's for sure. At least don't do it in the uh, in the life player only. Do it in the all players, so you don't break the real life rules. Evidence is going to his first flight. I'm going to find my supreme leader Kim Jong's house and land in his backyard. Will all players still show like the satellite data? Of course. Well, I mean, there's limited data in, in certain areas, right? So it's kind of limited. And then I mean, it's tell me, do you have the address for King Jong's house? Because no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you have King Jong-un's house, right? You know, in, in written in your address book. Uh, so, so that's going to be an interesting one. Going to land at Buckingham Palace and do that roundabout. Live players, is it going to be the same with all players? Say again. Is the scenery and like in uh, live players, is it going to be the same scenery in all players? So you have two modes. You have offline scenery and online scenery, and those are available in, in everything, multiplayer and single player. Good. So yeah, you can use your offline scenery and just be totally off of the internet, or you can have your online scenery, and then depending on your settings and your internet, it will choose the level of detail that fits best so that you're not lagging and downloading textures and you don't see them pop or at the same time you don't have a lower resolution you know they'll, they'll figure out uh, the best uh, level of detail and everything according to your settings and your internet but uh, yeah it's all automatic uh, and it will be just because I want to land at my house and I don't want to get in trouble in the live players well you can do it in single player as well if you're worried to uh, yeah that's, to do that probably will in the first times or just invite your friends and just do a private group. That way you're sure. Yeah, I got to learn uh, more about the flight rules. And but um, don't worry too much about it. What I'd say is just make sure you just read the filters that are written in the multiplayer section. And then you should be fine. Like, I, I don't think people will mess up too bad on that. Okay. You know, um, we have an answer from evidence about that address for Kim Jong's house. <laughs> he says, I have, but can't share a cookie. Uh, such a shame. Keeping it such a shame. <laughs> so, yeah, Mechanic is asking a question about an old handed out Satech Aviator 01 and if he should invest in more. Um, I'd say this is just a, yeah, it's, it's up to your preference. If your controller itself is to the point where uh, there's big dead zones and sometimes it kind of twitches on its own uh, as the sensors get old then 
if you feel like you should invest in more because the current uh, controller doesn't work well enough then yeah you can you can look at some options there um, but if it's just works fine but should I look for something more to see if it's gonna bring me a higher experience uh, it depends if you're comfortable with what you have because sometimes <clears throat> bigger and newer hardware can be a little complicated the more buttons you have you kinda sometimes have to get used to it uh, now the Satec Aviator 1 is is not very complex you have uh, a few switches and and your thing so it's not a bad thing if you want to try a new experience then you can definitely get um, <clears throat> another stick that has a lot more buttons and a lot more things included altogether then that could be a new experience so if you're looking for that then yes you could you could invest in more uh, in, in, in an interesting thing yep definitely I think Mechanic is uh, typing a follow-up. Maybe a yoke, but they are very expensive. Yeah, they range from, what, I think CH is 120 And then Logitech now, they've taken over SciTech. I think you can get the yoke and a throttle quadrant for 170 US. Then the honeycomb is 250 US. And then it goes way up from there. The Yoko, the yoke is like 995 uh, euro, I believe. That might be for the Yoko Yoke Plus or 1,050 euro. So you're really the burner that has the um, force feedback. I think it's like 12 or 14. At one point, I think I saw 1,600 once. They are really outrageously expensive. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, would you even be able to have fun after that? After I have to pay for that? <laughs> no, because when the bill <laughs> came, when the bill for, come, yeah, for you two hit years. Yeah, yeah, you're having you'd a hard time. You'd have to grab the mail before your family did, so they couldn't see. Yes, that what? Yeah. Well, I guess it really depends uh, on your budget, but um, there's there's a lot of options, and if you're lucky, you might find some stuff in some used hardware that in decent condition sometimes you have people that bought something and well they decide they're not really into flight simulation uh, or other games that require you know yokes uh, therefore they will you know sell it uh, but it's almost brand new so you might have a chance in looking at uh, reselling websites uh, you might have more luck there budget wise Macari and eBay are the two best websites to buy for your own stuff in my opinion yeah and again it depends on location right yeah it does okay any yeah, last question depends. oh yeah i haven't seen any nobody nope. want to throw in a question right before we wrap it up i'm looking i'm looking okay i think we're good I think we're uh, yeah i think we're good so covered uh, a lot of stuff yep so thanks for tuning in guys uh this was a great podcast we had a lot of people lots of good questions we will upload this podcast that has been recorded it's great to speak with everyone and get all your feedback and questions uh great questions actually so um for the newer guys uh, we do this podcast every thursday 7 p.m eastern in north america so uh zulu minus four for the zulu people yeah sim will be released and next time you yeah, the next time you guys hear from us, we'll all have our hands on the sim. So it will make for an interesting... Uh, we could tear ourselves away from playing yeah. it next Thursday. We'll, we'll actually exactly. have a lot of... Uh, I can't wait. 
And uh, so this is a podcast that talks about the flight simulator. We also talk about the speculations about things that have not been released, what our opinions are, thoughts, as well as theories. Um, and we link this with hardware and software, uh, hardware, both computer and flight hardware. So a lot of fun, uh, a lot of great things. And uh, we'll see you guys in uh, next Thursday.